Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to In the Huddle, the exclusive weekly talk show dedicated to NCAA Division III football's Liberty League Conference. Tonight, your hosts, Eric Wren and Frank Rossi, will recap last week's Liberty League action and interview the newsmakers around the league. We'll also preview next week's action and take your calls and online questions. So sit back and put your game face on because you're In the Huddle. Now, live from Studio One in Saratoga Springs, New York, your hosts, Eric Wren and Frank Rossi. All right, the Liberty League fans, another week, another Sunday night. You are live in the huddle, Black Talk Radio. Eric Wren joined by my co-host, Mr. Frank Rossi. Actually, two weeks in a row, Frank Rossi coming live to Studio One. Frank, can you feel the magic? I can feel the love tonight, and I'm right here at your front door, so act like I'm downstairs, and I'll fill it in when I get there. (laughs) Well, folks, as Frank makes his way to the uh, inner workings of Studio One, again, I'd like to welcome you. My name is Eric Wren. Frank Rossi is my esteemed co-host, Mr. James Baker. Dogs in the background, of course. It's a family show, family affair. Mr. James Baker is going to be joining us as well, uh, who helped Frank call the Union Hobart game this weekend. We're going to take you, as always, around the league. We've got some good guests coming up this week. It's going to be a jam-packed show. Uh, Frank, why don't you tell us who our guests are tonight? Wait, you thought those were dark, Sparky? That was me. I saw your girlfriend, and I was like, hey. <laughs> well, I appreciate that, Frank. I'm sure, I'm sure uh, her, the neighbors, everyone appreciates you barking as you enter my house. <laughs> Nonetheless, our uh, guests tonight include, oh, boy, did I have to go there? Uh, well, we had Justin Gallup who uh, last uh, year yesterday for uh, Union College broke a 42-year-old record for receiving yards in a game for the Dutchman in a 31-21 victory you'll hear more about in a moment. Uh, he had three touchdowns in that affair and really was, I would call, the uh, big force behind that win yesterday. They just couldn't cover him. Uh, it's as simple as that. And uh, there's a lot of story behind Justin Gallo. We'll talk about that when he's on. And then we'll have Coach Steve Briggs join us from Susquehanna, and the question we all got for him is, what's up with his quarterback situation? Because even in a victory this week, a 17-14 victory over Rochester, still a lot of questions about whether or not Rich Palazzi comes back and who his starter will be next week against RPI. And by the way, I saw a good friend of yours uh, today uh, coming out of church, Gail King, uh, Coach King's wife, and uh, she sends her love to you and says the cookies will be ready for you but not for me at the RPI Union game coming up on October 31st. I can only have mine after the game, and I'm sure it's only if RPI wins. <laughs> well, you know, we're going to certainly talk more about that and, and, and next week as, as that gets a little closer. But I'll tell you, Frank, our fans of the Liberty League were treated a heck of a weekend of football. I mean, you look across the board, only three games this week, but three very close games. The biggest uh, final spread outcome was 10-point differential between Union and Hobart, but that game was much closer than that throughout the, throughout the, the contest. You're going to hear about this in around the league, but clearly 
Things are becoming a little bit interesting right now in the Liberty League, Frank. You want to know a little oddity that happened this week? The three games. The well, team is this a personal statement? or is uh, That's cute. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> the three games uh, in which, uh, you know, the, all the teams obviously uh, score first, whatever. The three teams that scored first lost. And so, you know, you look at the, oh, the team that first scores first wins 65% of the time or whatever it may be. Well, guess what? It ended up being not quite that way. Uh, all three, uh, 0 for 3 uh, in terms of uh, scoring first, loss. So we will uh, see what happens uh, there. I won't tell you who scored first in all the games because you'll hear it in Around the League coming up. So, like we said, we got a great slate of guests for you tonight. Coach from Susquehanna. Steve Briggs. Steve Briggs and Justin Gallo. And heck of a day from Union. couple surprises, too, at couple the end surprises. of the show. couple surprises. We do aim to please in this show. As we said, this is really a family affair. Might even become a little bit more so tonight, but not quite the family member I think people are thinking of. Having heard some of our previous references on this show, they're probably thinking I might pull something out of my hat, but hey, as long as it's only your hat. <laughs> well, folks, you are in the huddle on blogtalkradio.com, www.inthehuddle2ls. Thanks for joining us, and we're going to take you around the league, 10-11. Stay tuned. After surprising results last week, the Susquehanna Crusaders and Rochester Yellow Jackets met in a battle of League 1-1 one one teams in Rochester, New York, Saturday. Rochester looked to make a statement early, taking their opening drive 71 yards downfield in a three-play drive that ended with a three-yard clearance on Iruka run for a 7-0 lead. Susquehanna's tailback Dave Pavlitz would not be outdone in this battle between the top two league rushers, responding with a 10-yard touchdown run of his own with two minutes left in the half to tie the game. Neither team could gather any momentum for the remainder of the half, with only Rochester having a real chance to score at the end of a 13-play drive. Yet the Yellow Jackets missed a 29-yard field goal, making the halftime score 7-7. In the second half, Susquehanna took their first drive down the field in nine plays, covering 67 yards and leaving Pavlitz a short one-yard touchdown run for a 14-7 Susquehanna lead. The Yellow Jackets looked ripe to respond, taking the ball to the Crusaders' 10 before quarterback Brazen Zubik made an error and had his pass intercepted by Justin Young in the end zone. Neither team would score for the remainder of the third quarter, but Rochester would again have a golden opportunity to tie the game early in the fourth quarter. In a 12-play drive that started at Rochester's 15, Zubik led the team down to the Susquehanna 27 before throwing another interception to Braden Klingler at the Susquehanna 15 with eight minutes left. Klingler would return the ball to the Rochester 25, setting up an eventual Bobby Eppelman 20-yard field goal for a 17-7 lead with three minutes left. Zubik passed his team down the field for a quick 13-play drive that netted the team a touchdown pass from Zubik to Adam Barrett with 52 seconds left, but the ensuing onside kick would be recovered by Susquehanna. The final score was 17-14 Susquehanna. Pavlitz outgained Anirukka retained the Liberty League rushing lead as he netted 170 yards and two touchdowns to Anirukka's 154 and one touchdown. Susquehanna's Matt Lotes in for the injured Rich Palacci played decently, completing 12 of his 22 passes for 108 yards and no interceptions. Susquehanna linebacker Ryan Eck led both teams with 14 tackles on a day, while the Crusaders' Jalen Scott broke up three passes. Rochester drops to 1-4 overall and 1-2 in the league, while Susquehanna remains in second place at 4-2 overall and 2-1 in the league. The WPI engineers hope to stay within reach of the top of the Liberty League standings after starting 0-2, but the Merchant Marine Mariners hope to stay within the pack at one loss when they visited Worcester Saturday. WPI started strong in the first drive of the game as the team drove down the field in a 10-play, nearly 5-minute drive before Mike Swanton found Corey McGregor for a 21-yard touchdown pass and a 7-0 lead. Later in the first quarter, though, the Mariners' Carl Heimbrock helped equalize the score as called by Ray Martell of the Mariners' radio network. 
It's a D-man motion to the near side. Handoff, Heimbrock, running right, spinning round the corner, turns in, touchdown! Merchant Marine Academy! Carl Heimbrock from three yards out comes near sideline, and the Mariners a point after from tying it up. The team's punted the ball back and forth for the remainder of the first half until Heimbrock again tried to make some noise with his legs. Solo man in the backfield, Heimbrock. He gets the handoff up the middle, scoots through, pushing his way inside the 15 and free, and breaks through for the touchdown! He broke through three tackles and then sped through with nobody behind him, and the Mariners take the lead 13-7, extra point upcoming. The halftime score will remain 14-7 Mariners. After a listless third quarter, the Mariners put together a 14-play drive that covered just 38 yards. Yet even with that short field, the Mariners turned to their quarterback for some help on third and goal from the two. A demon motion to the far side. Now comes back in motion near side. Snap. And Ventre takes it on his own, pushes forward, gets a push from behind. Is he in? No signal yet. The officials come in. They look. The Mariners say touchdown, and it is! Mariners take a 20-7 lead. WPI was down but not out with 13 minutes left as the team responded quickly in a one-play drive. That one play being a 61-yard pass play from Swanton to Nick Bean. However, the extra point attempt failed, leaving the score at 21-13 Mariners. After the Mariners punted, WPI again scored in an eight-play drive that covered 62 yards. It ended with a Swanton one-yard run, but the two-point conversion attempt failed when Swanton's pass fell incomplete. WPI down 21-19, to kicked the ball away with six minutes left, but the Mariners' offense refused to give up the ball for the remainder of the game. Ten plays later, the game was over, and Merchant Marine survived by the final of 21-19. to Both teams saw linebackers lead their tackle charts, with WPI's Jake Mulhern netting 14 tackles, including four for losses, and the Mariners called their cats, recording 13 tackles. The win moves the Mariners to 4-2 overall and 2-1 in the league, while WPI falls to 3-3 and 0-3 respectively. In a matchup that would help shape the entire league on Saturday, the Hobart Statesmen visited the Union Dutchman in Schenectady, New York. The Statesmen made an early statement to Union defense marching downfield for 15 plays over 7.5 minutes before this play called by WEOS's Ted Baker. Two men right, one to the near side left, tight end right, and here's the float left side again. Vincent jump ball, this time got it! Touchdown! Tyler Vincent took it away from Brawley, the same play they just ran. Touchdown, Hobart! Hobart would get the ball back immediately after Union's Kevin Valenti fumbled the ball on the ensuing kickoff. Hobart reached the Union 1 before fumbling the ball back to Union at their own 1. Yet after a 23-yard Chris Coney run, this play happened as called by WABY's Frank Rossi, Tom Santa Barbara, and James Baker. It's going to be two tight ends on the left side. Now uh, that one will go into motion to the right. I formation of the backfield, but it's going to be Connolly throwing. He's looking downfield. He's got Gallo. Wide. Open. 35, 30, 25, 20. Kenny make it all the way. Five. Touchdown, Union College. Two-play drive. Goes 98 yards for the Dutchman. With an extra point, they will tie the game. A big play, a big turnaround. With the score tied at seven, the teams would score no further in the first quarter, and yet the second quarter would become a slugfest. First, Union would take its first lead of the game in a three-play drive spearheaded by a 42-yard Chris Coney touchdown run for a 14-7 score. Yet, Hobart would answer after a huge gamble. Hobart head coach Mike Craig decided to pass up a short field goal on fourth and two from the Union five and instead go for the touchdown. After converting for the first down, Hobart would score in a one-yard Andrew Marlier touchdown run to tie the game at 14. Hobart forced Union to punt and rush down the field again in a 12-play drive, ending with this play. Ball in the far left hash. Marlier tailback. He gets it. Starts left. Dives back right. Drives the pile. Touchdown! Andrew Marlier! 
power running by Marlier. Touchdown, Hobart. Four yards out. With less than two minutes left in the half, Union took the ball over and decided to go right to business with Andrew Connolly finding Gallo again, this time for a 70-yard touchdown after a short pass to tie the game at 21 at halftime. The teams both came out lacking momentum in the third quarter, making the game a best-of-one-quarter affair. Finally, in the fourth quarter, Union got into the red zone and gave kicker Zach Epley a chance to give the Dutchman the lead back. 30 yards, yep, goal not, a, not a chip shot. Epley, snap, stop. Kick is up. It looks good. It is! Zach Epley with a 30-yard field goal through the uprights. 11-21 remaining. Fourth quarter, and Union has retaken the lead. 24-21. Hobart drove to the Union 28 in the next drive, but opted to go for it on 4th and 11 without success. Union took over with 5.44 left in the 4th and ground out a drive, riddled with two pass interference calls against Hobart, both on 3rd and 10 plays. Eventually, with the Dutchman facing statesman blitzes every down, they decided to try to put the game away. Three receivers right, back to pass, Connolly in trouble. Oh, the ball he throws the ball downfield, looks for Gallo, he's going 10, 5, touchdown here to college! I've been him. telling you all, can't second half, you got man to man, you got to take that gamble, it's wide open. 41-yard pass play from Andrew Connolly to, for the third time today, Justin Gallo, Union leads 30-21. to 21. Hobart, now down 31-21, quickly marched downfield, but the clock became the team's enemy. The statesman frantically tried to find a way to get onto the scoreboard as seen in these two plays at the end of the game. And it's third down and now six yards to go from the 10. Villa, back to pass. He's in trouble. He will be taken down. That number 41, Tim Romano, the left end. He and Owen Wilson have had a heck of a day, and he is taken down at the 16-yard line. The clock continues, 55 seconds. It's fourth down at 13. This is it for Hobart. They're going to go for the kick. Out for the kick is Overdorf, number 16. It would be from 33 yards. Snap, snap, kick is up. It's short, but it is no good. Wrong left. That'll do it. 41 seconds remaining. Union will take over at their own 16-yard line. Union ran out the clock and won 31-21. Union's Justin Gallup broke a 42-year-old Union record with his 246 yards receiving in addition to his three touchdowns. Connolly was 11 for 20 for those three touchdowns and an interception, while Coney ran for 114 yards. Marlier rushed for 136 yards on the day in addition to his two touchdowns for Hobart. Union's defense played strong with three players including Steve Malazuski, John Peters, and Tim Romano netting double-digit tackles. Hobart's Ryan Robinson led his team with 13 tackles. Union's win moves the team to 4-1 overall and 3-0 in the league, while Hobart falls to 2-3 and 1-2 respectively. And welcome back to In the Huddle. Eric Wren, Frank Rossi, live from Studio One, Saratoga Springs. And once again, great job there on around the, around the league for the week of October 11th. I'd like to think that we do our part in expanding the cultural horizons of our constituency, Frank. You know, we've gone from Kanye West to some, you know, NFL films, uh, Old West kind of theme. Last week it was more some uh, kind of instrumental. Th- this was uh, something classic. I, you know, I wanted to say uh, at first Brahms, but I obviously was way wrong. I recognized the second one, William Powell Overture. The first one I recognized, I don't know the name of it, then you correct me as Mozart. Mozart. Mozart, yeah. Frank, you, I mean... One of the things I look forward to each week is, is the uh, package you put together for, for around the league. Yeah, well, I panic to figure out what the heck I'm going to do around 5.30 every night on a Sunday night. <laughs> well, speaking of music, odd segue, it's about time to bring in our third co-host of the show, our remote host, James Baker, from uh, 
This week, I believe he's in Connecticut. We owe him an apology, by the way. Well, we never gave him the props for last week's background music. Oh, well, hey, we're killing multiple birds here. James, are you with us? Yeah, guys, hi, I'm here. James, so what, you know, in the minute before we get to Justin Gell, our first guest, what, what do you want to touch upon? You want to talk about your experience in the broadcast booth with Frank coming all the way out to uh, Frank Bailey covering the first half of the Hobart game? Or do you want to talk about your big night last night at the uh, Jim Jam session, the studios where Eric Wren did a guest spot and uh, jam with the band? I mean, obviously these are two very compelling subject lines, one football-related, one not, but I really think we should just touch upon both, James. Well, thanks. Yeah, I mean, this is this is this has been a rough weekend. Too much time on the Eric singing part. I, I was more interested in your football broadcasting. What I just wanted to kind of throw in for our listeners, by the way, Jim James lives in Los Angeles. James is a Hobart grad. He's been around for a while, and uh, James is also quite a talented singer and musician. You got to hear him sing Bono. Did quite a bit of you two. The guy's really good. Yeah, well, with you singing, it really is Sunday Bloody Sunday, though, uh, Eric Wren. <laughs> yes. Yeah, so, it is. This is this has been a rough weekend, guys. You know, first Hobart, then the Red Sox, you know, getting swept by the Angels, and now the Patriots losing in overtime to the Broncos. This hasn't been well, uh, a, go, be a good a, weekend for my team. You could be a Bills fan like me. <laughs> it doesn't get <laughs> worse than that. So all, all those things. Got me there. All those things aside, the three of us can chat about in our own time over a couple of uh, adult beverages. James, give us your uh, perspective on making the trip out east and sitting up in the booth with Frank and viewing it from a broadcaster's point of view. Well, it was it was really fun, and 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 Tom and Frank were great in uh, you know letting letting me join them for the for the first half. It was a it was a pleasure to work with them, and and you know they did a they put on a great show. Uh, it was a great game. You know, if you told me the day afterwards that Hobart would, you know, have 245 rushing yards, 23, uh, 23 first downs, almost 38 minutes on the time of possession, and we'd still lose by 10 points, I'd be surprised. But, you know, we 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 fought hard, but you know, Union made the big plays when it when it mattered. So, uh, you know, they deserve to win the game, and uh, you know, are clearly the team to beat in the league right now. Well, we're going to bring on Justin Gale in a second. The, the clear big big producer of that game, setting records, and we're going we're to talk about that. But one one comment to tie out the uh, the broadcasting thing, James. So you've spent your career as a player, as a fan, doing this gig now on the Internet weekly. What was it like? Is it something different getting in the booth? Is it, is it how do you see the game? Is it, is it a whole different feel? Is it, is it, you know, when you're asked to watch it and then talk about it, what's that like? Well, it, it is a different it is a different feel because you know you have to take you have to take the job seriously and responsibly. You you have a, a, a different perspective too from the press box than you do in the stands. You get to see you know the the field at a, I think at a better vantage point in some respects. You can see you know, the, you know the plays develop and you know even though you're you may be rooting for one of the one of the teams in the game at least in the case you know for me anyway with Hobart. You have to you have to keep it in perspective and and present it as objectively as you can. So, you know when when Hobart did something great, you know I I wasn't cheering and when 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 you know the plays went against Hobart, I I couldn't say oh darn or or something like that. You know you have to just say you know hey Justin Gallo made a great reception and and you know Hobart needs to play better pass defense. So I think it, it takes you uh, away from being a fan somewhat. Um, and, and it forces you to really look at the, at the teams objectively and to, to call the game accordingly. Well, you know, James, uh, I did talk to Pat Coleman today, and I, I put in a good word for you. I actually told him that uh, Pat Coleman from D3Football.com, who, uh, you know, there's a lot of audio casts that are coming up for 
the uh, playoffs that what started around November 21st, I think it is. Uh, and I said to him, I think you've got an official West Coast color commentator uh, for any games that you might have out there because you did a great job. And even my friend here, Eric Wren, was texting us during the game. I didn't really uh, keep showing you it because we were trying to uh, keep you concentrated on the game. And he said, this guy's doing a great professional job. I expect Thanks. nothing left out of you two. I would have been disappointed if it was anything else. So, hey, that being the case, we're, you know, we'll, we'll uh, talk about some of that stuff maybe a little bit later. But I think it's time right now to go to our first guest. Mr. Justin Gallo, the Lansingburg High graduate, Troy, New York native, you know, as, as a local resident in Saratoga now and an RPI grad, you know, kind of uh, like to see these local guys kind of make their way to Troy for college, but hey, you know, they got to go somewhere, eh, you know, he's, well, doing a, he's doing a nice job at Union Frank. He's a, <laughs> well, he's a JUCO transfer and actually got a taste of the uh, rental area a little bit going to Hudson Valley Community College uh, where he was a basketball all-star and then some rewrote the record book there and then... Yesterday, a funny thing happened. He actually started rewriting the union record book, and that was really not something anybody expected to have happen, especially after the last couple of weeks. We'll get into that briefly uh, as we talk to him. But, Justin Gallo, welcome. You are in the huddle with this. How are you? Hey, guys. How's it going? How's everything? Everything's great. Thanks for joining us. First, we'd all yeah. like to collectively congratulate you on, first and foremost, your team's big win against a tough opponent. And then, secondly, on the humongous day you had, Frank, you have—I believe—you have some stats at the tip of your finger here. Two forty-six receiving, uh, basically three touchdowns, which were—oh boy, I, I, this is not at the tip of my uh, thoughts here—but I think it was seventy-seven or seventy-six yards, forty-one yards, and forty-one yards or thereabouts, uh, give or take a yard or two on that. As I don't have it at my fingertips, but if, oddly enough, no touchdown by Union yesterday, and their four touchdowns was less than 40 yards, and three of those touchdowns were by this guy on the phone right now. Absolutely. So, Justin, you know, you got a lot of listeners out there, and people are asking questions left and right. So kind of just set the stage in the standpoint of we talked last week before about what this game was meaning, a lot riding on it for both teams. You guys are the only team left undefeated in Liberty League play. Hobart, kind of their backs against the wall in a must-win situation. They have that string of consecutive NCAA appearances on the line, so you knew they were going to come in hungry. How did you guys prepare this week in practice for Hobart? You know, I think it started last year. We The experience that you're talking about, we were in the same situation that they were in this past weekend where we had our backs on the wall and we needed to win and stay in it and stay in the hunt. And uh, knew that, they, that that didn't leave their minds and we knew they were going to come out hungry. It's always, uh, you know, some sort of rivalry game when we play Hobart, and we knew uh, we knew we had to come out and play tough. Justin Frank uh, back here. Uh, now let me ask you something. Uh, I, I want to get knock this one out of the way right away, and to tell a story. Uh, when I was calling the WPI game last week uh, at Union, uh, it was a night game. Uh, yeah. You were doing what you usually do, which is you try to get some extra yardage on a, a very uh, late in the first half series that Union looked like they were threatening to score on. And you were putting the ball out a little bit, trying to get that extra yard or two, try and reach for the end zone. It got knocked out of your hand. And uh, controversially, it was given to WPI. I really don't think that ball was in the possession of WPI at the time. You might know uh, otherwise you were closer to it, obviously. But, uh, you know, emotions were running high. Things were said. And you were, at, in fact, benched for the half, uh, the second half of that game. A humbling experience, no doubt. Then you come back yesterday, and everybody's wondering to themselves, 
How's he going to react? How's he been this week? What's going on? And I even talked to Alex Idino in the booth before that first series, just before you scored your first touchdown, and he said, you know, the team has put this behind them. They want to move forward. Uh, it was one of those incidents that happens. Yet nobody really expected you to come back to the extreme you did. You were probably the most focused I've seen you in the two years I've called your games. Take us through the last eight days and explain to us how you did gain that focus. Uh, you know, it was uh, last weekend, obviously. I was, like you said, I was trying to gain extra yards. I made a very poor decision. Uh, I didn't realize uh, the time on the clock. I should have got out of bounds instead of trying to make that extra move and get upfield. So, obviously, uh, you know, I, I didn't do the right thing there. And I came off the field, and, and some words were said, like you said, and I, I made poor judgment and said the wrong things. And, obviously, uh, sitting in the second half, I, it was it – was, it was one of the worst feelings of my life, just watching the team, a close game, and not being able to be out there with my teammates, but understanding at the same time that what I did was wrong, and, and that's where I, I probably should have been, was right on the bench. So it was tough. It was a tough experience. But, uh, you know, um, I don't know. I just, uh, I guess kind of before the game, Saturday, I was, I was thinking to myself, uh, you know, just walking in the locker room, kind of thinking about how last weekend I couldn't play that second half, and, and how being a JUCO transfer, I'm only going to have two years here because I obviously have, lose eligibility with the basketball. Um, so I, it kind of just came to me that I only have so much time to play college football, and, and, and football isn't like basketball where you can pick it up and, and when you're older and play pickup games and whatnot. So I just kind of, you know, it came into my head that, um, you know, time here is limited, so take make the best of it. You know, they say good things a lot of times come from adversity, especially in great athletes. So clearly you answered with three touchdowns and over 200 yards receiving. Now for a total that high, you know, that, that many receiving yards, a lot of catches, a lot of touchdowns, can you kind of tell the audience here, was there something in Hobart you were attacking specifically? Was there something in the play calling? You know, was it, was it the Hobart corners maybe just not playing well or, or playing off you? I mean, what, what allowed you – in your mind, to have that kind of individual success? Obviously, football is a team sport, but you do try to exploit certain matchups and coverages and weaknesses. So, you know, what, what, what do you attribute to that kind of, uh, you know, individual success in that game? Uh, you know, uh, Hobart's uh, got great, a great secondary, uh, especially that uh, number one. I think his name is Drake Woodard or, or something along those lines, and he, he made uh, – he had some some big awards at the end of the year last year and made really made a statement his freshman year, and uh, I just I knew he was going to come out to play tough and and I knew I had to to rise above that and make, just play tougher you know and uh, um, it just they played man uh, and and Drew and in the line obviously it started all started with the line if, if they, Drew doesn't have time to throw the ball then then the ball's not going to be coming to any of the receivers and, and the line gave Drew some time. And Drew in his arm, he made he made some big big plays and nice throws, and, and all I do is get out there and run and, and jump and catch it the rest of that can. Now, again, we're on with Justin Gallo, wide receiver from Union College in their 31-21 victory over Hobart College this weekend at Union, keeping you guys undefeated, Union undefeated in Liberty League conference play. Justin, this was a close game for much of the game where each team had their chances to maybe – get some separation from your other team, but it didn't quite work out that way. It was relatively close till the end. What was the the mood, the coaches' comments, some of the things going on in the sidelines while, you know, the, the game was going on? Hobart takes the lead. You guys answer. I mean, it's back and forth. 
what was this what was the attitude the the the, the mindset what was happening with the the, the the coaches and the players on the sidelines uh you know coming off a game like um a couple weeks ago like Rochester where uh it's coming down to the wire and your defense stops them on fourth and one and you have 45 seconds or or however many seconds you have to to march it down the field knowing that you did that a couple weeks ago and being put in another tight game i think these close games Although they're giving Coach Audino some more gray hairs on that head, I think uh, I think they're helping our team, and, and we, we we have a lot of heart, and, and it's really shown through the heart that this team has. And, and like I said, the defense and some of the stops they've been making this year have been unbelievable. And uh, the offense is, you know, Drew stays composed, uh, Coach stays composed, um, you know, we stay composed, and, and I think our composure and our confidence is what carries us to our wins. You know, I, I know James Baker probably has some questions in Connecticut uh, in a second. We just want to remind the listeners that you are listening to In the Huddle on uh, uh, blogtalkradio.com, In the Huddle uh, with two L's.com. Frank Rossi, Eric Wren joining you uh, from Studio One, and Justin Gallo, who broke the union receiving record for a single game yesterday with 246 yards, a 42-year-old record, joining us right now in the huddle. James uh, Baker called the first half with us. Uh, yesterday on WABY, was unable to stay around because he had to go do some band stuff, uh, some Hollywood-esque uh, stuff uh, in the second half. But I think James got a good feel for you with the two touchdowns that he watched. And, James, do you have any questions for Justin? Well, I, you know, I think Eric asked, uh, sort of asked the main question I had, which was, how did you get so wide open? <laughs> there were just some some plays where it really looked like you you just got uh, you know ten yards between you and the the nearest Hobart defender. I think actually on your first touchdown, it looked like Drake thought he maybe had had a chance to pick off on Austin in the sun, and he slowed down a little bit, which ultimately you know cost him. He wasn't able to catch you after after you made the catch, but. Um, yeah, I, I guess just uh, you know, the co- congrats to you on 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 such a big day and and uh, yeah, I mean you you guys did uh, the, the 280 yard or so passing performance is pretty impressive against a, a you know a team like Hobart that that doesn't give up many yards by the pass. So it, just tell us a little bit about some of those touchdown plays, how they developed, um, and 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 ultimately how they how they they worked out. Uh, that first one was was kind of just man coverage and I came out uh, and it was a post just a post route and at the top of the route I just kind of hit him with a start stuck him outside hit him with a stick move to the outside and uh, I think on the play we watched it today on film um, uh, the line somebody broke through the line and got Drew's arm which is why the ball was in the air for so long but yeah I mean I don't know I guess that stick move that I hit um, hit number one with just I don't know he must have got his feet tangled or something because I had him about 10-15 yards so um, you know, he just uh, just caught it and made a play. Eric Wren, I know you got some. Well, I just wanted to ask uh, Justin, Justin Gallo, Union College. Justin, you had a big day. You know, we have you on the show here, 200-plus receiving yards, three touchdowns, but also another solid performance turned in by Chris Coney, your running back, sophomore running back, uh, another – I'm sorry, junior, another over 100-yard game. Very balanced attack you guys have. You know you can you can beat teams on the ground, in the air. You've got a good quarterback there at, at Drew Connolly. Um, you know, I'm going to ask you this. You can give me your honest answer. You know, coaches won't get mad at you. Are you a passing team? Are you a running team? What are you? Oh <laughs> uh, man, uh, to be honest, I'm going to give you my honest answer. I would say we're a running team. 
and obviously nobody's mad about that. I mean, Chris Coney is he, the kid is un, unreal, and uh, the fact when he has the rock in his hand, everybody on the team is confident in him, and, and he's confident in himself. And and we know that when he gets that ball in his hand, that uh, 95 percent of the time, good things are going to happen, and, and it, that's what he's been doing for us. So. Uh, I would say we're well, right. I promise I wasn't trying to set you up. Clearly, Coney is a big name back in this conference and, and has the ability to be a big playmaker and break it. But when someone you know has three receiving touchdowns, 200 plus yards, you know receiving, you take notice. Now, is that you know, and it makes you ask. Hey, you're a running team. You're a balanced team. It's almost like, in a way, that's kind of an aberration. If you ask a coach of, if you ask Coach Audino, does he want to have receivers having 240 yards receiving? Maybe, maybe not, well, right? It's, it's an adaptation, though, Eric, and it's a great thing to be able to do because, you know, when you've got Hobart, and this was Carmodino, uh, or Car- you heard Carm probably at the end of the play of the third touchdown when we ran around the league, he's saying they keep putting eight in the box. That means when you have three receivers, it's going to be man-on-man at that point in time. Absolutely. And 50% of the time or greater, you're going to complete passes in that situation. So instead of just trying to run out the clock, put the game away. Throw it to Gallo. He'll outrun everything they got on the field. You must have been tired. Were you tired? Uh, it's funny that you say that. Today, uh, especially, I, last night I was real tired. I mean, there's a lot of running going on yesterday. <laughs> so I mean, you're not used to getting tackled that much, are you? <laughs> no, I, I wasn't sore. I wasn't sore. Nobody really hit me. Uh, nobody was really catching me, but I, I was definitely tired. Your feet hurt and your hands hurt from catching the ball too much. (laughs) (laughs) Well, let's change gears for a second here. Uh, The name Gallo may ring bells to a lot of Union faithful, uh, specifically if I can speak English tonight, which it helps. Uh, It was Ryan Gallo a few years back, and uh, that was, in fact, your brother, was it not? Yes, that was my brother, my oldest brother. No, this is brother. Yeah, well, who <laughs> wasn't it? Is. After yesterday, Ryan may have disowned him, you know, for writing the record book when Ryan couldn't uh, back when. But Ryan actually had a good career at Union. What years? Uh, what year did he graduate? I'm trying to remember off the top of my head. He right? graduated in 02, 99 to 02. So you know, it was a good time for Union back then. They made the playoffs. They lost to Widener, I believe, uh, in one of those uh, visits to the yep. playoffs around 2000. Devon Wimberly on defense back then. It was a good team back then. Yeah, you look at me like you don't believe I remember. Oh, I have. I, hey, Frank, man, what happens? You get old, buddy. You start remembering things. You start remembering things. I think it's the other way around. But nonetheless, okay, walk us through this now. You at uh, it's Hudson Valley Community College, right? You would uh, start out at. Yep. So you're playing basketball there, especially. Were you playing any football? No, I I, I missed it terribly. But uh, between the schoolwork and, and the basketball, there wasn't. Uh, there wasn't any time for football. <laughs> so what drove you to Union, and what drove you back to football at Union especially? Get to walk us through that one a little bit. I mean, I walk. I started with the family discussion because obviously Ryan played some role in it and your familiarity played some role, but give us your specifics and your point of view from it. Uh, you know, it was uh, at the time, obviously, it was the best combination of, of sports and academics. Um, and that's really all that it came down to. My family is real close with Coach Audino um, through Ryan playing here. And, and um, you know, I spoke to Ryan about it, obviously, and my parents. And, uh, and ultimately myself, I just felt like this was the best best place for me to be and best fit for me. And, and Coach Audino was great about it. He stuck with me through two years at JUCO. And, um, you know, he just uh, he got me in here. And, and yeah, I'm just grateful for it. 
And then on top of that now, uh, there's another gallo that will uh, call on the field sometimes. It's kind of funny that your numbers are 7 and 11, as if uh, I'm going to the craps table or something. <laughs> Uh, there may be uh, something behind that, too. I don't know, but uh, is your brother Connor actually with you right now? No, uh, Connor is working on a paper in his dorm room. Ah, being studious over there. Yeah, yeah. Well, Connor, we send our uh, love from in the huddle uh, to you uh, over at uh, Union's campus. But, uh, what you know, for him, was it the same thinking, the same rationale? What drove him to Union? Uh, Connor loves football. He always has, and, and he always will. And um, he, he knew from the get that he wanted to play football in college. Um, and, and when it came down to it, Union was his bit, best fit as well. Uh, so I, I believe that's that's really what his drive was to come here. Uh, to be honest, we're both kind of uh, homebodies. So the, the 30, 35-minute drive uh, and, and getting home and getting some of mom and dad's Home cooked meals and mom doing some laundry doesn't uh, it didn't it kind of made the decision a little bit easier. Did that make especially the whole last week for you uh, tough having your family so involved with the program and everything? I mean, I, I'm not trying to dwell on this question so much, but I mean, when things happen, one of two things can happen: you can build off it, or you can you know just let it kind of lead a tumble down for you at the end of the day. You built off of it, obviously. Was your family involved in that discussion at all during the last week? Yeah, obviously it raised my eyebrow to uh, my family and friends who were at the game when, when I didn't come out in the second half. And uh, my dad, you know, he pulled me over. He said, what's going on? I told him the situation. Uh, and he just told me to learn from it and grow from it. And, you know, that's uh, that's kind of what I did. And, and obviously another altercation like that will, will never happen again. And, and you know, we just got to move on and move forward, like Coach said. And uh, in terms of your choice for Union, any regrets? You're happy to be there. And, uh, I mean, would, 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 what should we expect from you for the rest of the year? Because uh, it's tough to top this performance. <laughs> uh, no, no regrets. I'm, I'm having a great time here on and off the field. Uh, academically, it's a, it's a little bit tougher than Hudson Valley. <laughs> uh, the classroom is, is um, keeps me on my toes, but... Uh, no, there's no regrets. I visited a, a school down in Austin, Texas for basketball, and uh, the only regret might be the girls down there. But uh, other than that, no, Union's been a great fit. I've had a great time. And uh, as far as the rest of the season goes, is whatever I can do to help uh, the Union Dutchman keep winning games is, is what I'm going to do. And well, now, let me ask you, since you asked oh, him that. Oh, I'm sorry. Troy guy, right? You're from Lansingburg? Yes. Did RPI recruit you? Uh, yeah, a little bit, a little bit. Nothing strong, though. No, not too strong. Oh, okay. Well, just just seeing, you know, I like never like it when we lose these good players to other schools. I just got to see what see what what the uh, what the level of attention was, so I can make a few phone calls. You know, <laughs> after after my brother made his decision to come here, to be honest, if I chose to go to RPI, I, <laughs> I can imagine. Oh, yeah. God. Hey, I understand. You're both your brothers. They'd be like attacking you right now, still. Exactly, exactly. Well, you know, family and all that, it's time for the uh, proverbial shout-outs. So give your best shout-outs to whoever you like. Remember, some people could be listening on archive, so even if they're not listening now, give your shout-outs. I believe uh, one of our DNs, Timmy Romano, is listening. Uh, Maybe Rich Cordy. Uh, He actually made a joke the other day. I had an interview with Channel 13. He just wanted me to drop his name, so I'll drop (laughs) it now, Rich Cordy. Uh, my little brother. People just heard that. Thousands. Jardino is probably listening. Uh, whoever else from the team's listening, family, uh, just hello to everybody. 
Well, we really appreciate you joining us. Again, 246 yards, three touchdowns, and most importantly, a 31-21 victory yesterday against the Hobart Statesman. Moves the Dutchman to 4-1 and overall, 3-0 and in the league, and in first place. But the league is still a logjam, and it's far from clear who's going to win this one. So they're going to need your continued good play, Justin Gallo. Thanks for joining us tonight in the huddle. Thank you guys very much. Have a good night. Yeah, yeah. thank you, Justin. So, folks, that was Justin Gallo in the huddle. We've got Coach Steve Hicks from Dutch coming up. Uh, they still have to face some brutal opponents, including RPI and Union. RPI, though, up this week. And so, questions answered, Jeff, because he's playing a little shorthanded right now because that's how they started the season. We'll discuss that with him. Coming up here, oh, wait, you know, it's a long weekend. I've gotten the middle. I'm a good driver. I look for cars. I pay attention. I I should have seen the little girl in the crosswalk. Please look for pedestrians. Stop for them. Think of the impact you could make. A message from the Federal Highway Administration. I really needed a computer to help me get back on my feet. I found a local organization that refurbishes donated PCs, and I got a great deal. I'm so glad someone passed it on. Donating computers gives more people access to technology while protecting our environment. So take that computer and pass it on. To learn more, go to epa.gov slash pass it on. This message was brought to you by EPA, Dell, Intel, HP, NEC, Philips, and this radio station on behalf of EPA's Plug Into eCycling Partnership. EPA does not endorse any commercial services or products of these groups. For information, log on to epa.gov slash plug in. My son Casey was a bright, fearless 20-year-old with a boundless future ahead of him. But in the blink of an eye, he was gone. While out riding his skateboard, Casey fell. He was not wearing a helmet. Our whole family wishes he was. It could have saved his life. I'm Captain Kevin Raffelli of the San Mateo Police Department. Whether you're on campus or back home on break, strap on a helmet every time you jump on a bike or skateboard. Think of my son Casey and use your head. Put a helmet on. It could save your life. A message from the Consumer Product Safety Commission. All season long, let D3Football.com be your home for all the Division Three football action on the road to the Stag Bowl. From interactive blogs and message boards to columns from around the region and around the nation on your favorite teams, nobody covers NCAA Division Three better than D3Football.com. As the playoffs approach, get the scoop on who's in and who's out from the experts who picked all 32 teams last year. Don't go anywhere else. Get the info from the source for Division Three football at www.D3Football.com. You are listening to In the Huddle on blogtalkradio.com, the only source for weekly Liberty League action in NCAA Division III football's Liberty League Conference. So once again, back to Studio One in Saratoga Springs, New York, your hosts, Eric Wren and Frank Rossi. Okay, folks, welcome back here to In the Huddle, a great Monday night show tradition. Uh, better tradition. than... Better than Sunday Night Football on that network that I can't mention right now because I am a shareholder in it and might be selling it soon, apparently, uh, to a cable company. (laughs) Always intrigue when it comes to you. (laughs) Yes, it is. Now, I have some great news, uh, for us at least, some really great news. You won a scratch-off ticket on the way over. (laughs) No. And you decided before you bought, I was going to get half. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> no. Oh, okay. You're you're on a roll though tonight. I'm gonna give you credit. After a six three loss by the Bills, I said you must be done already. <laughs> oh yes. <laughs> okay, but nonetheless, 
Coach Mike Toop last week wrote us a great email uh, after the show I shared with you uh, and thanked us for allowing us to present the uh, uh, story of Mikey and uh, how they've uh, taken a special needs child, uh, you know, under their uh, belt this year. It's, you know, he's coming to practices, coming to games. Obviously couldn't come up, I don't think, to Worcester this week when they played him. But Coach Toop did say to me at the end of the email that, you know, he felt good about the WPI game, but he felt there was a curse for appearing on this show. And he actually said to me, he's not going to do anything about it if they do, did lose yesterday. However, his wife is Italian, and he's just saying. So I felt a little scared all week. <laughs> and but you're uh, Italian. Yeah, but that don't mean anything. You really his wife's more Italian than you are. Maybe, but <laughs> you want to risk you got that? more important friends than you do. You, you want to risk that? They're closer to New York City than you are. Exactly. So I'm thinking, okay, let's see how this game turns out. And they end up winning yesterday, 21 to 19. So I can say boldly and gladly, the curse is over. So coaches that appear in this show do not have to worry about losing anymore. And I bring that up. Ah, there's a point to that because the team that beat. Susquehanna last week, uh, Kings Point, uh, won this week. Here's Susquehanna's coach now. So we're going to get him back in their winning ways. They did win yesterday against Rochester, but I think we're, we're going to keep it going. We're, we're a good luck charm. Exactly. Think, else. So, Coach Steve Briggs, we're uh, going to welcome you right now in the huddle. Thanks for joining us. Well, thanks, guys. But uh, I, it doesn't mean I, I have to like Toop. I still don't like him. <laughs> well, Coach, this is Eric here. You guys, your programs in the last couple of years, you guys have been great friends of the show here in the huddle. And I think before we talk about your success so far in the game yesterday in the conference so far, I'd just like to say, you know, things are really getting interesting in the conference. You guys have been great, great to team to play, great, great people to have as guests. And you're, you're leaving us. And now, and now we're heading now. Uh, now we're heading south, huh? Is that we're heading south. <laughs> Yeah, is it, is we're we're the great warmer official, weather coach. Yeah. Well, it's uh, I don't know if it's that or maybe saving about thirty thousand dollars in travel. I don't know either or. <laughs> you know, coach, that's but, a, you know I have had plenty of people in our in our uh, online chat room while we have the show and as, throughout the course of the last uh, season in in this season when we've had uh, we've discussed Susquehanna football. Let's talk about that for a second. You guys are moving on next year to another conference, the Centennial, the Centennial Conference, and is that the biggest driver of this, the, the economics of, well, of playing in the Liberty League? Um, honestly, guys, we applied to be in to go in the league uh, three years ago, four years ago now, uh, when Moravian and Juniata, two of our uh, – <clears throat> Associates in the in the MAC, the the old Middle Atlantic Conference where we used to be, uh, we all applied to go into Centennial, and for whatever reason, at the tenth hour, uh, the league decided to just take two and not three, and we were kind of left out. And um, fortunately, uh, the good people at, in the Liberty League had an opening, and uh, we applied for it and got it. And never did we remotely think that this close uh, in time we would. Uh, in fact, get a get an invitation. I think what the Centennial League did was say, "Hey, you know, it's tough to to uh, get good opponents and uh, keep schedules moving." We got Susquehanna, that's literally 30 miles up the road. Uh, let's let's uh, throw that out to them. And you know, I have to say, um, I, you know, we got a terrific president here, Jay Lemons, and uh, Jay Jay was in dialogue with myself and Pam Samuelson, our director of athletics, throughout the whole uh, process and. 
you know, when it comes down to it, it's it's a business decision. It really is, and we're close. I, I go from having four overnights to virtually no overnights, and we recruit in this, uh, you know, central PA, middle Atlantic region first and foremost, and that's who we cross with. We cross probably more so uh, with with those schools than anyone. So, Coach, you know, getting back to the Liberty League, because you still have a season, you know, about a half of a season left to play. You guys are 4-2 and two right now overall, 2-1 in the conference. And honestly, right now, as we sit here today, other than Union, who's 3-0 in the conference, hey, it's, it's, it's anyone's, anyone's conference still with a lot of football left to play. You guys are right in the mix at 2-1 and one in the league. The winner of this league, as we all know, gets an automatic qualifier of the NCAAs. You guys had a, a real big win for you yesterday, 17-14 against the Rochester Yellow Jackets who have been playing some tough football. They're not quite where they want to be record-wise, but they clearly have been a team that's been in the mix as well. So, Coach, heading into the rest of this season, we look at your schedule coming up. You've got you've got two really big games. You know, every game's a big game, but, but two teams left to play that could really put you on a path to destiny. So talk a little bit about the next, the next few weeks. You've got RPI coming well, up next Saturday, the yeah. 17th, which, you know, is, is – is your next game, but you still got Union left to play. And that's the last game, which is the last game. Take take us through what your team's goals are. Obviously, it's a week at a time, but but how do you prepare for this second half of the season? Well, we we um, we actually practice today. We we uh, we use Sunday as a practice day, a film day, a more or less learn day, uh, lick your wounds type of day. <laughs> but uh, and that's the first thing I said to him is, hey guys, first of all, don't look ahead. Um, we've got RPI. Uh, we we were beaten a week ago, and, and you know, Merchant Marine Kings Point deserved every every bit of that win. And I'm not saying we overlooked Merchant Marine. I'm not saying that at all. I think what happens is uh, you get in, entrenched in this league, and and you know, last year is a perfect example. And I'm not looking back either. But uh, doggone winless St. Lawrence came down to Seals Grove and. And beat us, and um, we were kind of riding high, winning two two big games, and you know there we were, and that ended up that St. Lawrence. I think that was, if I'm not mistaken, was their only win. This is a very very competitive co- competitive conference, excuse me, and you can't look ahead. I know what you guys just said, um, and believe me, everybody knows what our schedule is. We've got a very dangerous RPI. I don't know how the heck they lost games, but I will say this. In regards to yesterday's game, we beat a very good football team. We beat a very good football team at their place. So I think that's the most important that our kids realize that, heck, you know, this is a battle week to week. We know what's ahead of us. Um, believe me, and, I, and I'll use Merchant Marine, uh, my good friend Mike Toop, um, last year RPI went down and basically had to win the, that game and, and win the conference and doggone Look what happened there. This is a very competitive conference, so I don't want to look beyond this week, guys. To be honest with you, I'm, I'm, I guess I'm an old coach uh, being here over 20 years, but um, this is a great conference, and week to week it's it's anybody can beat anybody. Well, then fine. But we do know what's ahead of us. We'll keep just focusing on this last week and RPI no more. <laughs> well, that's where I was going. Yeah. You, you, you that, say, that's good, or I'm hanging up. That's all. You, know, you, you say week to week, so let's talk about this for a second. RPI has been a team since you've been in this conference that seems to have had your number. 
Um, yes. Clearly, it's a team that I, I'm not sure. I don't think you guys have been able to, to beat RPI yet since you've been in the league. No, we haven't. And no. you've had some, you know, some shootouts in, in these games. RPI comes off a loss. They had a bye week this week. They come off a loss to a Rochester team that you guys, um, you know, know pretty well. You've just you just beat them. And RPI was playing with with their second string and third string quarterback. I haven't. None of us, I don't think, have heard yet what the status is of their starter, Mike Herman. But for those of us who know the league, they're a big, you know, offensive juggernaut. They throw the ball, they run the ball, big physical team. You, how do you prepare for an RPI with a healthy, you know, Mike Herman at quarterback? Well, I, we, we've seen them in crossover a little bit. Um, we've got the film exchange uh, last week, and we've seen all their quarterbacks. But you ask how to beat them, uh, I think – Scott Green's the one to answer that. They did a terrific job, and what they did is, regardless who that quarterback is for RPI, he was standing on the sideline because uh, Rochester completely took took over the second half. And I don't know what the minutes were, but it was almost, uh, you know, twenty four minutes in the second half they held yeah, the ball. There you go, and that's 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 a that's a perfect way to to beat a doggone good team like RPI. I mean, uh, they've got a lot of kids back on defense, so their defense is is still very stout. Um quite frankly, we're looking in the mirror a little bit. Uh, uh I we were on our third and fourth quarterbacks right now, so I think that's a matter of uh who's healthy at what time and you know, you lose Jimmy Robertson and I know uh Jimmy a little bit because his his brother played for me here at Susquehanna. Uh, you lose that kid, and who arguably might have been the best quarterback in Division Three, and probably could have played in higher levels in Division Three. You take that out of the mix, and it's got to got to affect you. And then to have your guys banged up, you know that's what's going on at RPI. They're still doggone good, and um, we know that they're coming here, and you know everybody's still in the thick of things. Um, as you guys mentioned, and, and I'm not looking ahead to Union, but Union and RPI still play in that big game, so this is that. That's what makes this league tremendous. I mean, there's there's so much more football to be played, and there's only four weeks left in the conference. Well, taking nothing away from the Centennial Conference, but I would have think that there's you know you will miss this league in terms of just the top absolutely in this parity. Absolutely, and we're trying to um, doing the best we uh, I can to keep the uh, the connection going. In 2010, we're still going to play WPI and. Uh, I'm trying to get somebody, whoever's got open dates in the next uh, three, four years, to to keep a Liberty League on. Good thing you chose a close one. Oh shit! <laughs> What's that? Good thing you chose one of the closer teams to you. Oh, I know. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> well, we we like the the New England base to get up in there recruiting wise. Everybody does. I'm actually from Massachusetts, so maybe that's a connection. Excellent. What part of Massachusetts, coach? I'm from Lee. I went to Springfield College. So. Ah, All right, uh, Western Mass, right? Yeah, Western Mass and uh, Capital District was our was our baby growing up. We actually that's why I'm a Yankee fan. I think. <laughs> Don't say that too loud. Uh, well, I'm an Orioles fan. Yeah, I mean, it's not like I have anything. <laughs> okay, let, well, let's stay in football before we start controversies here. We're, like, we're talking to Coach Steve Briggs of Susquehanna uh, College and uh, University or College is University, is it not? University, I, yes. I do not want to discredit it. Uh, we have a variety in this league. Home of Amos Alonzo Stag. Yeah, absolutely, Frank. I called the game at the Stag Field last year and uh, actually felt really honored to do so. It was kind of a weird feeling to be up there. And uh, Robert Healy, we want to thank the Sports Information Director for uh, promoting the show so well uh, this week. Coach, he put a picture of you up though that basically, while I was in Starbucks today. 
kind of scared me because you got that that look on your face in that picture. It's got the Gruden look. It really is. And uh, you know, <laughs> I was like, I I could I couldn't play with this guy. I'm too scared. I, for it's you know, mean as Tube can sound, even though he's a really great guy at heart, we know it. You that picture of you, that's the equivalent. Well, well, that just cool, just so you know, you that 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 picture is added to the mystique of the Liberty yeah. League coaches between you and Toop and Coach King, King and <laughs> Coach Craig. And, I mean, it, I'm telling you, I wouldn't, you know. Listen, you have to have a pretty formidable lineup of coaches. Make the make it known right now. I'm the best looking of all of them. No, no, no. And Zoomer says that. Yeah, but kind of has already proclaimed, take, tried to claim that title for himself. Well, he he's he's too old. But he just dresses well. That's the thing. His wife dresses him. We we've got we know that for yeah, sure. Coach Adina would not want to hear you say that you're the best looking. I mean, I think he would like to have that title. <laughs> yeah. So oh, it's a great group of guys. Let me get us back to football. I, I think we just got our clip reel uh, finished for this year with that uh, little exchange. So don't be surprised for the best of show if you hear that. Uh, but nonetheless, Coach. The quarterback situation for your uh, school, we haven't really heard much about Rich Palazzi and his uh, injury. What was the injury? What Rich, is Rich, Rich uh, suffered a third-degree separation of his left shoulder uh, after he threw the ball against you. Uh, I'm sorry, against uh, Hobart uh, two weeks ago. Um, it, he re-injured, uh, which was a prior injury. Um, interesting uh we, he met with our uh, team doctor this evening and honestly when i say this i don't know what the team doctor said uh, i'm going to be meeting with our trainer in the morning um he was not ready to play this week uh we're hoping that he gets some reps this coming week against uh rpi in practice and that's that's what we're looking at but you know i'm giving credit to uh nate millen and and uh, jack leidick our quarterback coach nate's uh, offense coordinator uh, we've worked with two different quarterbacks this past two weeks, uh, Tommy Duff the week before, Merchant Marine, and then uh, Matt Lottis came in, both of them sophomores, like Rich. And, um, you know, Matt did a ter- terrific job up up in Rochester. He really did. And um, it's just uh, who gets the reps in practice. I think you guys know that. And uh, if Rich is healthy, he's going to go. I don't. I honestly don't know that. But if not, I'm very, very uh, – Impressed and pleased with how uh, Matt responded uh, Saturday up in Rochester. Well, let, let's not uh, mince words here when we say that. When you look at the stats from yesterday, uh, Matt was 12 for 22, I think, for 108 yards, no touchdowns, no INT. So efficient in terms of not turning the ball over, but Pilate was looking at more towards the 270, 280-yard range, I think, on average uh, when he was throwing. It seemed like you had more confidence in him in the passing game, and it seems to have changed the chemistry of your offense over the last few weeks. So here's the tough question for you. Has it, and to what extreme, and has it made it a lot tougher on you? Yes, it, it, it definitely has. Uh, we got a terrific running back in Dave Favellitz, and um, you've got to be absolutely uh, crazy if you don't put people in the box to, to try to stop Dave in our running attack. we got a nice offensive line. Uh, when that happens, you've got to have a quarterback that's going to at least move us or change protection, audible, put us in the right situation, and that's the experience that Rich Palazzi brings that the other two guys don't. Um, and that's the difference right there. Um, and what happened at Merchant Marine, um, they did a terrific job of, of you know, we kicked uh, 
the ball around on the one yard line, lost it going in, and they took it and they're disciplined and they're you know well coached kids and and they took us out of it and consequently we had to play from behind and that changes the whole component of the of the game and this week uh, we were behind early but then uh, we're able to do some things keep them off balance them being Rochester and uh, Richie or uh, I'm sorry Matt Lottis did a great job with that and what we're saying here guys is basically managing the the offense the way we want. And uh, there is a difference, my goodness. I mean, that's the reason why he was number one. So will it change? I don't know. We're going to see how his health is. Um, but we got to do with what we uh, what we have here, and uh, we got we got a bunch of real good kids and very proud of what they're doing and how they responded. In the uh, preseason, uh, you and I spoke, and you told me a little bit about Josh Simpson, one of your defensive backs on the team. And, uh, you know, a great guy to talk to uh, in – it's one of those situations in the interview we did with him for our first show this season, just before the season started, you could tell he took personally the knocks on the defense. He didn't disagree with the knocks on the defense uh, that they were taking, but the, giving up about 100 points or thereabouts in a couple of games towards the end of the season total uh, was something that really ate at him, and it's not like the entire defense. Then yesterday, you guys turned around against a decent offensive team, especially with the Zubik-Aniruka connection there that uh, seems to be existing right now at Rochester, and you guys intercepted two passes in the red zone, including one in the end zone. That turned the game around. That really is what probably gave you guys the win in a lot of ways, uh, you know, well, throwing yeah. you off the side down. What has happened to make that defense so strong compared to in 2008 and, I mean, is this going to be a staple now? Are you looking at you entering even next year at more of a defensive juggernaut in Susquehanna than an offense? Yeah, I, I, we, we were real young last year, guys. We, we ended up starting uh, two and three freshmen at different times. Those guys are sophomores. You know, I say that, and now this year, two of our biggest per- performers have been freshmen. Jalon Scott, who uh, an Albany kid uh, from Albany High School, um, has had a tremendous year. He's got a broken thumb, so he's we're using a cast, or he probably would have had three picks yesterday, which would have given him seven. I mean, it was literally that close. Um, and another freshman by the name of Ken uh, Shatoma from right locally here in Central PA. Um, those two have been a big addition. But, it, you know, what it is is, uh, again, I, I'm going to credit my assistant coaches, Brad Fordyce and his group, uh, Danny Malizen, a union grad, our, our secondary coach. I mean, we've done, we've really simplified some things and let the guys play um, and gain some valuable experience. I think regardless of what it is, whatever level, you got to win with defense, and that's kind of where we started. And um, we're going to be tested this week because of who we're playing. But they, they've they've really responded each week, uh, Clarence and and. Uh, out of Rochester, and I'm not saying his last name because that I don't know it. I can't say it. I, I, I couldn't even say it, Coach. Frank corrected me in the air. So, oh with... my God, is he a player? He oh, he's he's a workhorse. Yeah, he certainly is. And um, to to slow him down, I don't want to say stop him because I don't think anybody does. But he had 150 some yard. Uh, yards in, in in the game Saturday, and 53 or 58 of them came on one run. So we sh- we slowed him down. And if you can, we thought that if we could keep him out of the end zone, we had a good chance, and that's exactly what we did. 
You are listening to In the Huddle, blogtalkradio.com slash ITH, www.inthehuddle with two L's.com. Eric Ren, Frank Rossi, and our other co-host, James Baker, joined by Steve Briggs, head coach of football at Susquehanna University, who just beat University of Rochester this weekend, 2-1 and one in the Liberty League Conference. Coach Briggs, I, I want to stop here and, and give you some kudos and go back to your own personal accomplishments for a second. Aside from being in the running for best-looking coach in the Liberty League, uh, which you brought to our attention, um, you've surpassed the 100-win mark in your career. I just want to point that out to our listeners. That, that's, you know, 100 wins is a big milestone in college football. We, we have a handful of coaches in the Liberty League that have amassed 100 wins, and I just want to give you credit for that. You've, you've been at, at Springfield for 19 years, or not Springfield, you're from Springfield, I'm sorry. You've been at Susquehanna for 19 years, and just, you know, we talked, I mentioned, I threw out the name Amos Alonzo Stag Jr., who the, who the Stag Bowl is named after the D3 championship. I don't know how many po- folks know this, but you've actually surpassed his record for how many games you've coached at Susquehanna. Uh, as of the other day, I believe it's 192 or, or maybe 193 now, and the most wins. Uh, is that a record, given uh, Coach Stagg's contributions to college football and his legacy, is that something that has a personal meaning to you? I, I don't know. I've just been fortunate to be at, the, at one place for a long time. <laughs> Uh, the administration, I'm very, very grateful for giving me an opportunity. I was head coach at 28 years old. Um, I've actually been here uh, 22 years, guys. I, I'm, I was two years as an assistant with Rocky Reese, and um, this is my 20th year. So. Oh, wow, congratulations. Uh, coach, I think they're yeah. still using your 28-year-old head coach, your picture in the program. No, no, no. What did I tell you guys? That's part of recruiting. Are you kidding me? Hey, you got to recruit hey, the moms. This guy knows it. We are going to be sorry to lose Coach Briggs, I'll tell you that. We right? might still have him on the show. And Absolutely. Say, Do you miss us, Coach? Do you miss us? Coach, just a little aside, a little aside from the Liberty League, I see that you, you spent some time at, at University of Richmond. Were you there when a quarterback was there by the name of Bob Blyer? I know Bobby very, very well, and I'm I'm sorry to say I didn't hook up with him in in Rochester this weekend. I did it two years ago when we were up there. Bobby well, I'm graduated the same high school he went to, and I have some older siblings who went to high school with him, and I saw that on your resume here, and I'm just curious because he was a pretty good player down there for you guys and uh, yes, spent some yes, time in the was. NFL as a replacement player, and it was interesting to see it. I just wanted to see if you knew who that was. Yes. I know Bob very well, and he's doing very well with his business up in Rochester. Coach, we, uh, we're going to have to wrap up in a couple of minutes with you. I know Eric has one more question, too. Yeah, Coach, I do want to ask you something, just kind of for some of our listeners' benefits. And by the way, Coach, you are winning some big-time fans over here on our online live chat for the show. Everyone's giving you rave reviews. I do. I have tried to steer them to the Susquehanna website to, to, to take the picture and to get the full Coach Briggs experience. <laughs> uh, but, uh, Coach, when you work with your team throughout the week, I know each team typically their head coach will have a major a position that they coach. Uh, you know, an RPI coach King has traditionally worked with the linebackers for a while. You know, I'm not sure what goes on at our schools. Just you know, t- tell our fans what is your contribution during the, the week to the you know the Susquehanna football team. Do you do you coach a position, and how involved are you in the actual game planning on offense? And defense. Well, um, I I am involved to the point where uh, both my offensive and defensive coordinators we meet uh, throughout the day. 
um, both sides that kind of jump back and forth. I run and coach all the special teams as well as um, I'm talking to the coordinators during the game. Uh, I fully trust and um, have a great deal of trust in the in what Nate, Nate Millen, and uh, Brad Fordyce are doing. But uh, I, I am involved. I, I, don't, I don't try to get in their way. I don't want to screw them up. But uh, I'm the manager of the day and of the game. And during the week, I'm the guy that hops around. Uh, if you've heard a lot about Joe Paterno, that's in our little world down here. Um, I can scream higher and louder than Joe, believe me. And they know when I don't sneak up on them during drills. They know I, they hear me when I'm coming. Well, we will be seeing you for another 30 years then on the sidelines of Susquehanna, Coach. <laughs> I don't know about that. <laughs> <laughs> hey, Coach, you know, always a pleasure having you on the show. Sincerely. Yep. We really appreciate you joining us and taking the time out on a Sunday night. And we want to thank Robert Healy, as we said, your SID, uh, for helping uh, put it together and uh, all the work he's done to help promote the show. So uh, send him our regards. Uh, we almost didn't do this last week because uh, we were thinking Coach Toop wouldn't have – shout-outs to give. I mean, what, you know, 29-year-old coach uh, would have shout-outs to give uh, in this day and age. But we're going to offer it to you because he actually uh, surprised us uh, and wanted to give shout-outs. So any shout-outs you want to give to people that might be listening either live or to the archive? Well, I, the only people I want to shout-out to, uh, I said it before, I'm very, very proud of how uh, this football team, these young guys have responded. Um, and it's really tough when you're down for a while to, to keep stepping in and fighting getting back and now i you know i'm just pleased that we're getting some of the success that these guys put to work in for so my shout out is to our football team well, that was coach steve briggs head coach of susquehanna university good you... win yesterday against university of rochester yellow jackets and next week coming up a uh, big game against rpi engineers i will probably be there so i'll try and hunt coach out well it's, hello. Wait, it's at susquehanna next week yes oh no it's home it's RPI. Is it RPI? No, it's it's in Sealands Grove. I'm yeah. sorry. That's, I was going to say, yes, that, that, that one is in Sealands Grove. Two so, weeks is in. So you okay. go to RPI, Eric, and yeah. you tell us how. Well, I'll, I'll go down there and listen on the radio. <laughs> sorry about that. <laughs> trying to man, you know, Coach, trying to manage a soundboard and sit next to Frank and manage him. It gets a little hectic here. You know how that goes. Well, I, I'm not drooling or anything. At least you'll have to take but, care but of me. But sincerely, Coach Steve Briggs, Susquehanna University, class act, great interview, great coach, yep. you know, nothing but high – praise from us in Studio One. Are you wishing him luck is what I was going to ask you for next week. I hope that they come out, no injuries, they play hard, it's a good, clean game. Okay. And well, everyone plays to the best of their abilities. Coach, I know <laughs> I know that Joe King and Gail King are probably listening, Coach and Mrs. King uh, from RPI, and so I, I'm not allowed to really wish anybody luck in this game either. But I do, I everyone, best saying, of luck to everyone. Yeah, best of luck to everybody in that game. Let's have a great one so that I spend four and a half minutes on it in around the league at the beginning of the show next week. Thank you very much, guys. Thanks a lot, Coach, for joining. Have a great week. Talk to you soon. Thank you. And you've just been joined by head coach Steve Briggs on In the Huddle. Frank, i got to tell you, we get some good coaches in this league. Oh, we have some great coaches in this league. Uh, I, we can name eight of them, actually. That's how good they are uh, from top to bottom. I know somebody in the chat room is asking about Coach Craig, when we're going to have him on. Someday we will. Uh, you know, later on, Hobart's going to be back this season, we know, and we'll talk to them as they do make that climb back. They may be out of it a little bit right now, but stay tuned for that Hobart show down the line. I think it's time to pay our sponsors. Really? They pay us? Uh, 
let's, we could operate under that assumption. Okay, and uh, coming up, we've got a little bit of a surprise for you, so stay tuned. It's a family affair coming up here on In the Huddle, which is at where on the Internet? I think it's at www.inthehuddlewithwhol.com. How apropos. Hi, I'm Brad Paisley. As an entertainer, I've always believed that music and good times go hand in hand. But if your good times involve alcohol, remember that the average person can only metabolize about one drink an hour. That's just 12 ounces of beer, 5 ounces of wine, or an ounce and a half of 80-proof liquor. And whatever the home remedies, only time will sober you up. Call a cab, designate a driver, get home alive. Call 1-800-GET-MAD or visit mad.org. That's 1-800-GET-MADD. Every summer, millions of teens work in summer jobs. But there are certain jobs that are off-limits for young people. Where you work and how many hours you can work depend on your age. So know the rules and work safe. For more information, call the U.S. Department of Labor's toll-free helpline at 1-866-4-US-WAGE or visit youthrules.dol.gov. A message from the U.S. Department of Labor. All season long, let D3Football.com be your home for all the Division Three football action on the road to the Stag Bowl. From interactive blogs and message boards to columns from around the region and around the nation on your favorite teams, nobody covers NCAA Division Three better than D3Football.com. As the playoffs approach, get the scoop on who's in and who's out from the experts who picked all 32 teams last year. Don't go anywhere else. Get the info from the source for Division Three football at www.D3Football.com. In the Huddle, the only weekly talk show devoted to NCAA Division III Liberty League Conference College Football. And now back to Studio One in Saratoga Springs, New York. Your hosts, Eric Red and Frank Rossi. Okay, well, I guess that's Eric Red's contributions to the classical music today. You know, you can't you can't do anything without you trying to, to add some layer of controversy or intrigue or whatever to it. That's just one of our handful of come welcome back to ITH segments right there. That's why I'm And Notre Dame didn't even play yesterday. I know right? they didn't and there's so their last game was a win and that's what you're trying to tell me subliminally I think right now. And then next week they host the Trojans of SoCal to beat them. So chalk that up for a loss. Uh, James Baker, uh, let's talk about something. Uh, bring you back into the mix here. Uh, we know you're in Connecticut, not California tonight, so you're you've been busy. We want California dreaming today. Hey, hey. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right on cue, my friend. All right, good work. He's, he's back. He's back, folks. James, uh, there's a Division One sport right now at Hobart, right? That's correct. Well, actually, there's there's two Division One sports. We're Division One in men's lacrosse and in uh, men and women's sailing. Wow, Christopher Cross would be impressed. I was trying to come up with something with that, and I I couldn't even. Uh, I, 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 I didn't deep. have a snappy. <laughs> I had to go really said deep. that really deep. And I really wish I had a quick way to to pull Christopher Cross up. Sailing exactly. okay, takes me away. Oh, oh I'm sing last night. Eric, uh, there's a Division One sport at RPI, right? Yes, hockey. We don't have sailing. <laughs> Juggling, though, I think that is Division One. And Union also has a Division One sport, hockey. But these are not big-time Division One sports in terms of crowd-generating sports. So, uh, I'm guessing lacrosse probably gets, what, maybe 1,000 people a game at, at most, James? 
Um, yeah, on, on probably for bigger games, probably not so much. Uh, you know, in, in February when when the temperature is 20 degrees outside in, in Geneva on the turf field, but. Yeah, later on in the season against you know, bigger rivals like Georgetown and stuff like that, they, they usually generate some, some big interest. Well, uh, last yesterday, uh, James, you uh, kind of witnessed this a little bit. We uh, had a little bit of an experiment uh, going on, and we want to thank Jim McLaughlin and Kathy Natoll, uh, athletic director and assistant uh, up at Union College, uh, for helping us out with this one. Uh, my niece, Carmela, Carmela Morosi, uh, goes to Siena College, Siena Known for their uh, good-looking girls. Well, most, oh, basketball. Most consider her that. Yes, uh, I, I'm sure we'll hear something about that in a moment. But yes, they're basketball, and uh, they don't have a football team. So the, the question that I was kind of asking was, you know, how does Division Three football, in terms of a union game yesterday, stack up in terms of crowd support and the excitement? <laughs> Of a Division One Union, or uh, I'm sorry, Division One Siena basketball game. So you know what? It's like a Mr. Wizard experiment here. Yes, it is. So <laughs> you know what? Let's bring my niece Carmela and her friends over at Siena uh, into the huddle. I think that about nine or ten of you guys were over there. I didn't even know that. Yeah, nice. I, I, I hope I didn't embarrass myself by saying good-looking girls. Uh, Carmela, are you with us? Yes. Hey. Hey. All right. Hi. Hey. How you doing? <laughs> How are you? Here, Eric, let me pick you in there. You know what? <laughs> Hang on, I'm fixing my eyebrows. Okay, well, listen, I, I think you got some friends uh, kind of on speaker with you there. Uh, who do you have with you so we can get uh, names out? I've got Ashley Pond, Mark Walsh, and those are the only two that were with us. The other ones are doing homework. Cause oh, well, that, hey, they're being studious at least, and James is going to kind of help me out with this part because uh, Eric had to run away for a second. He's trying to get his manicure and pedicure uh, in time for when he meets you. Okay, okay. Okay. So you you guys uh, had a little bit of an interest to go to Union game. Why? Uh, because it's definitely a different experience from the basketball games here. It's nice to see a different sport. And let's start comparing it a little bit. Uh, maybe pass the phone around on this one. What did you guys feel like uh, during that game? I mean, Hobart's one of the bigger opponents for Union, obviously. I think they generated about 3,000 fans yesterday at the game. Uh, what was it like, and, you know, compare it to Siena basketball a little bit? Well, they are as rowdy as us, but, of course, at the time, Union Center, we can uh, handle The crowd does not compare to the basketball games at all. I'm sorry, but it doesn't. <laughs> How so? definitely <laughs> get rowdy. I mean, the coach's wife, Mrs. Audino, <laughs> she was wild. <laughs> she was very entertaining. What, so Fran McCaffrey's wife over at Siena doesn't get that excited? You tell me. Oh well, I, you know what? I haven't really seen her at the game, so I don't know. There's too many people. It's ridiculous. So you guys saw Justin Gallo yesterday score three touchdowns and everything. Oh, yeah. <laughs> the crowd yeah. reaction. I mean, is it a type of situation that you'd go back to? I mean, obviously, Siena basketball, you have a vested interest in it. You know, there's no real Division One team except for Syracuse in uh, football in New York State. In fact, they call it New York's uh, college football team, Syracuse. But, I mean, for something closer to home. What, Albany doesn't count? Well, Division One A. Sorry. University of Buffalo? <laughs> okay, fine. You, you got me on Buffalo because they are 1A, aren't they now? Yeah, Buffalo played a bowl game last year against UConn. In what country? 
Canada. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> exactly. But nonetheless, uh, I mean, was it an experience you guys come back to the RPI Union game and maybe, you know, hold Eric Wren at bay because he's an RPI alum? Yes. No, when we got when we got back here today, people were talking about that kid, uh, Justin. You said his name was. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. People were talking about it and about the touchdowns he made and stuff. So yeah, it was definitely something that they remember. It was very exciting. What were they saying? I'm curious. Um, I don't know. Well, one of the girls thought he was cute. She's like, oh yeah. I <laughs> Frank. No, but he was just unbelievable. He was fast. He was fast, no doubt about it. So is Eric Wren. So that's why you're never getting within 10 meters of him. What you saying? So, now let's let's get a little serious here. Uh, you guys have some people listening, so why don't you give your shout-outs at this point? I, I couldn't hear you. What did you say? Give some shout-outs to your friends that are listening but doing their homework right now, as you said. <laughs> well, two of them are actually playing basketball. That's Meg, well, in Vienna, but she didn't come. Um Let's see, where, who else is with us? Hogan. Oh, Hogan. Yep, he's probably in the library. Papa Bear. Um, Adam and Aaron. Oh, yeah, Adam and Aaron. They're being lovebirds together, so she couldn't be here. But, yeah, they're, they should all be tuning in. So on uh, October 31st, Carmela, you're going to come meet Eric Wren, I think, and uh, you're going to see him. <laughs> Why is this about me? Because I want you to be the same color red as your shirt right now. Oh, whatever. My niece is near you. Whatever. So nonetheless, uh, we appreciate yeah, having you. Ladies, you get to come to see a really nice stadium, a, a good crowd, not like what you saw at Schenectady. No, it's at Schenectady this time. Oh, <laughs> where am I going? Oh, Frank, you know what? <laughs> I'm, 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 we're going to go to a break here because you've got me flustered. <laughs> See what I mean? See what I mean? So just the sound of pretty ladies at Siena College has gotten my co-host in a fluster. Hey, guys, thanks for joining us for the game yesterday. Thank you, ladies. Appreciate you tuning in. So that was my name, Carmelo. We made it a family affair. I, I think it's to wait for you to get your family into the jack a little bit. Well, I apologize. I'm a professional radio man. Frank has me a little bit out of my own man. And you're frothing at the mouth. That's just uh, the best I wouldn't use those terms. <laughs> Folks, you are listening. <laughs> We're going to be back here with our predictions next week, some more analysis. We actually have Ray Martell from the Merchant Marine Radio Network. So James Hanker still on the line. For Frank Ross, the American Red. And we are uh, in the big old Good news. Fewer adults are smoking cigarettes than ever before. No matter how long you've been smoking or how old you are, it's never too late to quit. Almost immediately, you'll breathe better and your circulation will improve. You'll also be able to recover from illness and injury faster. Each day, your tobacco-free reduces your risk for conditions such as heart disease and stroke. For more information on quitting, talk to your health professional or call the National Quit Line at 1-800-QUIT-NOW. Take the first step to a healthier life. You gotta be a bit crazy, a little bit out your mind If you've been drinking, then you go out and drive You're risking countless lives, and your own too Plus you risk hurting everyone that knows you Yeah, they'll be so blue, standing at your burial Thinking that you were a fool while at your memorial The point is, you shouldn't risk those lives If you drink, don't drive, if you drink, don't drive Spend a few bucks on a cab, or sleep while you've been drinking If you drink, don't drive, stay alive, start thinking Stay sober, arrive alive If you drink, don't drive, if you drink, don't drive Mad dog you 
are back with In the Huddle on blogtalkradio.com, the only talk show devoted to NCAA Division III College Football's Liberty League Conference. Once again, from Studio One in Saratoga Springs, New York, your hosts, Eric Redden and Frank Rossi. Oh, yes, 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 yes. Thank you very much, folks. Thanks for joining us at In the Huddle, and thank you for putting up with our little gag gift uh, to Eric. I mean, it was serious, actually, serious uh, interview, and then I didn't realize... Oh, yeah, that was... A, hey, I James, James, can you tell how serious of an interview that was? Well, I, I thought it was very nice of Frank to uh, to bring <laughs> some family into this. Pro, you know, we're a family program. We're not, it's not just about, about football. What, and, this is a family program. If my mom and dad are listening right now... Dad, call in six four six two hundred zero five seven six. I six four six two zero 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 five seven six. Eric, this isn't a miracle ear commercial. Come on, he can hear. Uh, my dad needs a little bit of a shot once in a while. Well, your mom's there though too. Oh, okay. But James, James, it took a year and a half, but we got Eric pretty good off his uh, rocker here. Uh, well, you know, he he, he is susceptible to the uh, the fairer sex. <laughs> all right. Wait, is that what your wife made you call her? The fairer sex? James is all class. I met him in person. Hey, you, you, hey, come on, guys. You've seen pictures of my wife, you, and you've and you've met me. So I'll let you be the judge of who's fairer there. Said it on the air, but I didn't. I didn't use the expression that I've used in the past. Uh, it's not dirty or anything, but I, I don't think it'd be appreciated in my part. So, so okay. Yeah. <laughs> let me, for the for the benefit of our fans. Let me let me let me turn this back to a little bit of football. Save us, Ray. Yes, we are back. We are back on in the huddle. Eric Ren, Frank Rossi, James Baker. We need to bring some sanity here. Someone serious. For that, I'd like to introduce the voice of the Kings Point Merchant Marine Academy, Ray Martel. What? what this isn't Love Line. I it was- <laughs> it's not true. What's your question? <laughs> Single, 28 Long Island. Go ahead. Oh, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. I, Ray, can, can, I, can I just ask you, I'll keep you on live online, but can, can I ask you for two seconds to just hold the phone? Absolutely. We threw this out as a family affair. I see a number coming in from I Rochester. Know. i got to take this call. I, I know we, they've been dying to get on the air. We don't have 35 minutes for nope. Alfred football in the 50s. I'm just going to warn you right now. So. Well, wait a minute. Alfred football in the 50s. Actually, Stan Wren, Rochester, New York, are you on the phone? Yeah. <laughs> you sound so excited. Aren't you happy to be on In the Huddle? <laughs> oh, yeah, we've been enjoying listening to it. So, folks, this is, a, you know, Frank opened up to his knees. I'm not going to, you know, keep this too long, but big loyal fan of the show from the first episode a year ago, big fan of Liberty League football. i got to tell you this. I grew up in Rochester. I played at RPI. My dad played at Alfred in the 50s. Yeah, you guys, last year in the ECAC, it was a big deal for you, I know personally, and your dad, to go to that ECAC game. Absolutely. I, you know, my dad and I got to see for the first time ever, as fans, RPI play in a very hard game against Alfred in the ECAC game. And, you know, my dad had the pleasure of playing on a couple undefeated teams in the 50s, one of the top teams in the East, Alfred. So, Dad, i got to ask you this. How has... You know, what do you think of football today? You played Ironman. I believe you played both ways back then. Well, I would have to say the fellows play a lot harder. They're a lot smarter. They're quicker. I'd be afraid to play today. <laughs> Why do you say they're smarter? Well, basically it seems that uh, there's so much more to football, and you have to be so much more aware of uh, different things, offenses, uh, moves, and 
when we played, it was very simple, and uh, for the most part, we didn't have a lot a lot of plays. We relied on everybody moving at the same time and speed. Well, you know, let me, let me say one thing. Uh, the fact that you guys back when played with equipment that was, let's say, much less forgiving for certain hits back then uh, and still hit with the same ferocity to a certain degree, I mean, there's got to be something to be said for that generation of football back then. I mean, you guys risked injury more than anybody uh, who's played the game since because of those deficiencies in equipment. Not that, you know, somebody just said go out and play football without it. It just didn't exist at the time to the degree it does. No, you're right. I have to agree because I can remember we didn't have the face mask. All we had was one bar. And every morning I'd wake up after a game and have to break my eyes open from the brush burns with the arms going across my face. Uh, and you had a lot more. You're right. You had a lot more. We didn't have the pads or the braces, and uh, we worked. We worked hard, and I would have to say we were in condition, but we didn't have all the weightlifting things. That was something unheard of when I was. And that's why I say the quality of football now is so much more advanced. Did you really want your son to play football when he was growing up? I Yes, I did, because the one thing I always felt about football was that if you play, uh, first of all, it's a sport that uh, is concerned with uh, teamwork, and it teaches a lot of teamwork and reliance on your fellow players. And secondly, if you play for a good coach, which I was very fortunate to play, uh, Alex Unovich was a legend at Alford, just like RPI. And, and when I listen to your program and I hear all these coaches, I'm just amazed. At, uh, I'm encouraged by how good they are and how concerned they are about the student-athletes and how important that is to them that they maintain the quality of education. Well, I've got some kind of good news for you. It's not perfect news because I don't think they made it. They were on the cusp, but they're not quite there. But your Alfred University Saxons are right outside the top 25. There was one ballot, I think, missing earlier when uh, these numbers got compiled. So it's possible they made it in, but I don't think so. But they are probably like number 26 or 27 right now and are undefeated in the Empire 8, which has six teams this year. I, I keep uh, well, adding I, I got to tell you this, Frank. Stan Wren here on the phone is a big, big fan of Division Three upstate football. Yep. I mean, when I was playing RPI and even after and I moved out of the state and I wasn't following it too much, this guy, you'd call him and he'd know what Buff State did, what Alfred did, what Union did. I mean, this, he follows all the scores. That's, we, we, you know, this is the type of guy that I enjoy. This is going to be my co-host, I think. Uh, so <laughs> when you when, co-host? Yeah, when you got to go to a Bills game or something, uh, we're going to have Mr. Wren in. Well, I, I know in the spirit of keeping things moving, which I, I have one more question for yeah. uh, my dad, Stan Wren. Cro- the crowds, uh, I'm going to say dad, family affair. Dad, the crowds back when you played, how, how, how many people did you play in front of? Nowadays in Division Three, anything 2,500 to 4,000 is a really good crowd, I'd say. At, at a game in the Liberty League, how, how big are the fans well, when you actually, play? We averaged uh, nearly 4,000 a game at home because we had one. We had the first permanently lit field in the country, and then there was nothing else there. They had a I will attest to that. Be- yeah, but it's amazing to me because the interstate system didn't exist until Eisen- after Eisenhower, so it wasn't as easy nearly to get to that portion of the the state. 
and still to push in 4,000 per game is an amazing thing, even more amazing than doing it today, I think. But you saw the stadium, it was all hillside, <laughs> primarily, <laughs> where they sat and crowded all around. But it, they had quite a local following, and because uh, I, I can remember one time in, in particular when uh, we both came to the end of the season undefeated and we played Hobart. And Hobart had all kinds of publicity, and we ended up winning six to nothing. Hear that, James? Hobart won yeah. or lost, rather. Yeah, yeah, yeah. J- James, the Ren family is uh, combined like eight zero against Hobart. <laughs> oh my goodness! <laughs> so listen. Well, I think your dad. I think your dad will remember, though. I think it was the class of fifty four or fifty five or six for Hobart that was undefeated. So we, we may oh, yeah. we. we we may have lost. We may have lost against Mr. Mr. Wren in the fifties, but uh, Hobart turned it around a little bit later after he graduated. Well, I guess so. They became uh, quite a <laughs> school, but there again, you know, you had, uh, the schools Hobart, U of R, RPI, great schools. So here, let me let uh, Eric's mother say hello to him. Oh yes, uh, please do. And we, we that, that would be a pleasant surprise for everyone, and, 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 and we do have to move on. Hold, but. hold, hold on, Ray Martell, can you, can you wait for one more second with this? Only if your dad promises to bring me some Steve T's hots from Lydell, and uh, it, I'll be all set. Whoa. <laughs> we'll make sure he does that. Well, Nick Tahoe's maybe do? something like that. Make? I could use some of that. There you go. Hey. Uh, Mrs. Wren, are you with us? Uh, they're just asking for you now. Yeah, uh, no, no, I'll tell you what. We'll we'll try this another time. We got a time schedule. We really oh, appreciate it. Oh, come on. Throwing your mom out. You can't do that. <laughs> come on. Come on. Uh, well, we got people waiting. Hold on. Hold on. Let's I mean, okay. count to five. Mom here. Yeah, see? All right, Ren. This is my hero right here. Mrs. Ren, uh, you know what? You've dealt with this kid named Eric Ren all his life. And you raised him to be the gentleman he is. You are my hero. <laughs> well, thank you so much. It's been an up and down battle, but we got him where he is, so we're proud of him. Oh, well, yeah, we can, we can, we can leverage. Yeah, you know, we can, we can get my mother's perspective on one thing here. She came out and saw RPI play Rochester on homecoming. We can have her tell our listeners who aren't going to be able to make it there this year what she thought about the big new stadium. Go ahead. Stadium. Right. It was such a great experience. I'm glad I made it out there, and uh, my congratulations to everyone who was involved in any way in uh, building that stadium as to where it is to stay. So I, I think all of our listeners really want to know. Oh, yes, Eric. Oh, yes, Frank, Eric. we're moving on, buddy. Uh, you know, all of our listeners really want to know, when Eric played at RPI, was it something that, A, you liked or enjoyed, and, B, did you do his laundry for him still? No, oh, I lived in Troy. Go ahead. I didn't understand the last part. <laughs> Mom, he wants to know if you liked it when I played in college. We know you loved it, and I did all my own laundry. I'll answer the question for you. Oh, yes, he did. Yes, he did. Okay. Yeah, yeah. So, I, I thought that Eric was the kind of guy you would come and pick it up from him, and then, you know, No, that's just a three-hour drive. Hey, Mom and Dad, thanks for joining us. Thanks for joining Frank and James and I. We really appreciate you calling in. Thanks for being good listeners. Oh, you're very welcome. We wouldn't miss the program. All right, I'll see you soon. Take care, guys. Take care. Love you all. I love you too, folks. (laughs) I do. Now, uh, let's get back to 
football, I guess, Ray Martell. <laughs> Ray, you're, you're, kind, you're a kind man. You know, we, it, we really has turned, it really has turned into love line, hasn't it, right there? <laughs> we, we, really, we wanted to bring in one of the pros here, and you were very gracious in waiting. But I'll tell you what, you, back you had to. You, I told her, I don't know if I was up or not, and I was kind of yelling at you, you got to let Mom talk. That's terrible. You're like, oh, Mom, we don't have time for you. You always... Always, got to always remember that. My mother would just. Oh, hey, I always I go home to see my parents, but you know we got a listener base here. I can hear that. I can hear that Rochester uh, accent in there, and all I'm thinking of is uh, Steve Tahoe is on Lydell. I, I mean, really, that's all that's in my head right now. On Lydell, you got it. You got. It. I'll, yeah. I'll bring you something from there, Ray. Actually, Ray, I'm, I did a piece. I, I got edited. Unfortunately, a computer fried on me last week, who was where I was editing it, so I'll have it in a couple of weeks. But I did a piece actually on Nick Tahoe's. Uh, the original I, one in downtown. Now, Rochester, we stayed at the hotel right down the block from there uh, when Merchant Marine uh, played wow, in Rochester. Wow, you stayed at a hotel a block from there? <laughs> no, the Radisson, right? The Radisson, very nice, very yep. nice hotel. Oh, okay, all right. So, Ray, hey, I tell you what, we wanted you to call in because we've spent a big portion of the show tonight talking to Coach Briggs from Susquehanna. Uh, about RPI, I mean, about, about Susquehanna, about RPI, that game, about a little bit about Susquehanna season. We talked to Justin Gale. We, we had a big focus on Union Hobart. You know, one of the quiet developing stories this year in the Liberty League, at least so far, uh, is that our curse is over and Toop is 4-2. and two. Exactly, and that right now, as we stand in, in week, I believe, four or five of conference play, depending on who you are, Merchant Marine is, is right there in the mix. And it's funny, I texted your broadcasting counterpart, Seth Cantor, before your game this weekend and, and, and mentioned uh, – you know, hey, are, are we going to see you, you know, am I going to see you in a couple of weeks? And he said, yeah, when we come up there and we win the Liberty League. So, obviously, spirits are high down in Long Island for this for this year's team. I mean, you guys are, are sitting pretty well right now at 2-1 and one in the conference. And, hey, you know, there's a lot of football left to be played. Well, there's a lot of football left. And if you talk to Coach Toop at all, you'll understand it there. And they're taking that coach's mantra one game at a time. I even asked him that last week in the pregame show, you know, Look at the way that the Liberty League is out is is really turning out right now. And even even this past weekend, you know, Union had a good scare in their game. I mean, it was it was a chance that it would have been a, two, a tie with these teams at two and one. The way Union's been playing, they're a very good team. But you know, nobody seems to know what's going on with the league this year. And I think that's kind of starting to show, especially the Merchant Marines Academy, that you know what this is. If there's a year when they've got a real shot to make some damage and finally win a Liberty League championship. This probably is the year because you, you, you've already gotten a couple of a couple a couple of them off to Schneid the last few weeks. You had a game against Susquehanna, obviously trying to come back from what happened last year in a disaster of a game, and then this this past week they've gone up to WPI two times since we started the Mariner Gridiron Network. The first game they were coming back late. Chuck Klein just threw an interception that could pick six the other way. Game over. Two years ago they basically didn't get off the bus, so it was really a real house of horrors for this team. And they came in there, and they, in a game that ended up being a little bit closer than I think Coach Toop wanted, they really dominated that game for pretty much most of the first half, late into the uh, midway through the third quarter, when a couple big plays kind of hurt them, but a big missed extra point, a missed, uh, then they couldn't get a two-point conversion, and in the end they were able to run the clock out. Right, uh, Frank, uh, just remind people you're listening to In the Huddle, not Loveline, uh, as much as people want it. And I was not going to boot my mother off. 
Whatever. You know, it sounded like you were. I got to be honest. Mom, you know I love you. I'll see you soon. I'll be home. He wasn't. He was joking, but we we can still rip him about it. Nonetheless, Frank Rossi, Eric Wren, we've got James Baker on the line, as well as Ray Martell, who we're speaking to right now from the Mariners Gridiron Network. Is that what you guys call it? Yeah, that's what what it's called. It was, uh, this is our sixth season. Uh, We've been, uh, you know, this is our third trip around the conference and everything. Well, actually, some of them it's only our second trip because uh, when Susquehanna came in, they started switching things around. But this is our our third full trip around the conference uh, now. Uh, This will be our third trip. When we hit RPI, we'll have hit every single conference team three times, with the exception of Susquehanna, who is now leaving the conference. Right. We're going to uh, do our predictions. We'll keep you uh, with us uh, as a guest predictor. Uh, this week we try to have one guest uh, each week now that, to predict with us, but we won't hold it against you in terms of uh, you've got no vested interest in what happens on this. But, uh, you know, for as much as you're saying the pack is pretty tight, I'm calling this coming weekend Separation Saturday. Big time. And here's why. Uh, you've uh, basically an undefeated uh, union facing a one-loss St. Lawrence. If Union beats St. Lawrence, there's one less one-loss team. You've got RPI and Susquehanna playing. One of those one-loss teams goes also. And Rochester, Merchant Marine, if Rochester finds a way to beat Merchant Marine, we could lose one more one-loss team. And that's, it's a possibility. I'm not, I mean, right, and I, and I agree with you because you know, this is, this is another, another get-off-the-schneid game, three of them in a row for, for the Merchant Marine Academy. They're 0-13. I mean, I know the numbers really don't matter. But 0-13 against Rochester, they've never beaten them. So you could, at the end of the week, you currently have five teams that have either zero or one losses, obviously Union being the one at zero right now. But you could have, at the end of the weekend, only two teams with zero or one losses, and that would be the winner of RPI, Susquehanna, and Union. So this is a very important weekend, not just for one game this time, but for all three games that are being played. We looked very closely at Union Hobart for the reason of, you know, would it be a multi-way tie, or would there start to be a little bit of separation? Answer, a little bit of separation, but not the complete separation. That's what's going to happen after this week. So why don't we start looking at games? And well, I, will, uh, I, I will say, oh, oh, I, mean, I want to I ask Ray a question, and I don't know if James has any comment here. Sorry, but, yes. <clears throat> Ray, and i not looking back, I just, I just would really open my eyes about the prospects for, for King Point football where, you know, when – at the end of last year when you had that huge win against RPI, great momentum coming into this year. They've done a nice job of building on that so far, and they're positioned well halfway through the season. What, from your perspective as, as the broadcaster, the voice of the Mariners, what was in your mind uh, the goal? Obviously we talked to Coach Toop and his players, and the goal is to win every game, get the NCAA playoffs. Great goal. Everyone has that goal. But in the back of folks' mind, there's a point where you hit a certain level of achievement and you feel, you know, we've done some good things, we've accomplished some things, we've done things that we want to do and we feel good about. What, in your mind, is, is a good, solid effort, good season-wise, record-wise, for, for Merchant Marine this year? Well, look, I don't, I don't want to speak for the university, speak for Coach Duke. I'm speaking myself, for Ray Martell. For, my, for myself and for Seth and everybody on the broadcast, you know, a winning season and is really going to be something to, to build on, a 500 season as well, because this is a team that has lacked consistency over the last few years. They haven't, they've been really searching for themselves. Two weeks ago, they had that horrible loss up in St. Lawrence, and driving back was sitting there saying, you know, this is the point where every season they've had where they were unable to turn it around and get right back on. Coach Toop did a lot before that game 
uh, two weeks ago against Susquehanna. He changed the defense around. He moved some players around. And things have clicked since then. I know it's only two games, but you're starting to see a much different team than we've seen over the last three or four years. They've got a decent running game. They've got some talent. And they have a quarterback now who's playing better than he ever has. Derek Ventre has always been a, a very intriguing prospect for them. He's played kind of on and off the last few weeks. He's not having flashy numbers, but he's managing the game right now. And I think that consistency is the biggest thing that's not surprised us on the broadcast, but it's really got us feeling, you know what, this team can do a little better than a 500 season. Now, will it happen? You know, we don't know. It's football. Anything can happen any week. But you know, they had a few missed opportunities the last few weeks uh, in, the two, in their two losses. The Maritime game is a semi-rivalry uh, game because of the fact that they're right across the water from each other. So you can almost start to throw that one out. out. The one that really got you is the one up in St. Lawrence. And, you know, we kind of saw uh, a mismatch of what is St. Lawrence. They're kind of a Jekyll and Hyde team as well. One week they get blown out. One week they blow out another team. You know, you would think a team like... Hey, let me interrupt you for one second, because you're actually jumping into uh, something I wanted to get into right now, and we're running out of a little bit of time, so we're going to kind of integrate this discussion into our predictions right now. And we're going to reverse order of the game's uh, start times uh, next week. Uh, with the first game we're going to look at is Union St. Lawrence, and uh, I just want to point out a couple things about the two teams. Union comes into the game at 4-1 and one overall, but 3-0 uh, and oh in the Liberty League. St. Lawrence uh, overall right now is uh, coming in at 2-3, and three, but 1-1. One and one. These are the only two teams, believe it or not, St. Lawrence, and Union maybe expect. St. Lawrence controls its own destiny right now because of uh, who the one loss came up against, Hobart, a team below them right now. So interesting situation. Granted, they took the week off uh, alongside RPI. They had the two buys. But, you know, you look at this game, and why don't you kind of restart where you were going with that what is this St. Lawrence team? How do they beat Kings Point the way they did? And do you think they can repeat it against Union? What's your score prediction? You know, I, I don't have not seen enough of Union, but I just I think Union is the most talented team in the Liberty League. I think their record shows it. I think that they are have much more offensive weapons in there. Now, defensively, I don't – you know, Susquehanna has some good offense – but I think defensively they're not going to match up against what Union can give them, in my mind. But you know, and look at what look at what Susquehanna did against a team like Ithaca, and you can see that points can be put up against them. You mean St. Lawrence? Yes. So, what would your score prediction be in that game? Uh, you know, I'll give them a few scores. This is just off the cuff. I'll say 31-14. Okay, let's go to James. James, uh, it's uh, Union at St. Lawrence, 1 p.m. on Saturday. I'm going to go with Union. I think you know, it, really, all, all the all the Union needs to do is watch the the Hobart St. Lawrence game tape and do what they did to Hobart last weekend. They sacked the quarterback five times when Hobart played St. Lawrence. They uh, sacked uh, the, the St. Lawrence quarterback J.P. Carney six times. There were eight tackles for a loss. I think the Union defense is going to overwhelm St. Lawrence's offense, and it's going to be a long day for the Saints. I, I would tend to agree with Ray. It's going to probably be a, a 31 to 14 type of day. Ray, was Baraldi the quarterback when the Kings Point faced St. Lawrence? Uh, you know what? It was such a bad game. I can't remember who was who was playing that game. We kind of threw that one right out of our minds. You, you uh, do that. Uh, I'm not the only one, at least. When yeah, you... it was. Uh, trying to remember who it was. Carney, I believe Carney was playing in that game, from what I remember. 
Okay. Uh, Eric Wren? Eric's a little hurt that you think that Union's more talented than RPI. <laughs> oh, geez. Ray, um, he's just he's a, he's a troublemaker. Just, yep. just don't listen. 31-21 to 21 Union. 31-21? Mm-hmm. Union's got to get off to a fast start in this one and actually put a team away for once because they let too many teams have taken two-possession leads and get back into the game. And this is a statement game for them in that respect before they take – a week of non-conference play. They, they're they playing on their bye week against Salisbury. So uh, this is a big game. They want to go 4-0. I was talking to Coach Ardino earlier. He said to himself, this is a huge game. You look at St. Lawrence, you say, oh, it's St. Lawrence. Yeah, it is St. Lawrence, and they are at 1-1 one one currently. You can't forget that fact. So I say Union wins the game 30-13. to Okay, uh, second game, uh, one that's near and dear to my uh, cohort's uh, heart right now. RPI at Susquehanna. Eric's going to go to Troy to watch the game. It'll be interesting to see how he likes it. <laughs> from there. I'm going to I'm going to the uh, recovery room, the new sports bar at the Hilton, to watch the closed circuit feed. Is that right? Sure. Good for you. At 1 p.m., RPI will be at Sealands Grove, Pennsylvania. That's a 1 p.m. start. That's a 1 p.m. start. Believe it or not, uh, I'm guessing they're going overnight again. Of course. Yes, because you got money to do that, I guess, at uh, RPI. You did it with the WPI game also. So, uh, you know, who am I to question? 40 million stadium. I'm sorry. Whoops, sorry. <laughs> yeah, thank you. Uh, good job. What is the East stand? No. Uh, anyways, Ray, what do you think about that game? Well, if if RPI can control uh, Pavalets, I, I call them Pavlets, but they said I was pronouncing it wrong, so I do apologize to, See, I to We've been told Pavlets. Yeah, we've been told Pavlets. Yeah, that's... I was told another was Pavalets or something, but you know what? I said I was going to call it Pavlets the whole time, so I didn't. I just kept it that way through the whole game. But uh, he is the key to their offense. He is a heck of a player. They can do some passing. They've got a senior-laden team, and I hate, I hate to do this. I, I, I just don't. I don't see RPI having an answer for that. I think Susquehanna's a better team. I think they took Kings Point very lightly this year after seeing what they did, and I think they're going to have a bounce-back game. I can, I can see that game. I can see Pavlitz with 125, two touchdowns, and they take that one going away, 30, 33-7. Now, Ray, I've got to ask you. How much did you bet on that horse that Eric gave you that lost and is still running at Saratoga right now? Uh, no, he just actually he won, but he he ran on the uh, he, he he ran on the Oklahoma track. He oh, is that right? Yeah. Well, when I give you horses, you have to specify if you want the practice track or the real track. Right. Well, you know. So there's nothing about your pick and that horse that correlates with each other, right? Nothing at all. Nope. Just making sure. Nothing he, at all. Did he give you any horses? Uh, no, not which was you know it was it was good that he didn't because uh, uh, if he gives me a tip I know I know to go the other way. <laughs> James, especially, especially like when he, whenever he gives me a trifecta in a six horse race, I know I'm a winner. Just take the three horses he has, I take the other three, and I'm gonna. Yeah, there you go, James. The ID, obviously you're learning right now. Don't take the horse advice from uh, Eric, right? Apparently, yes. <laughs> Who do you think at RPI Susquehanna? You know, I I think. I think RPI's defense is a little underrated, and I don't see Susquehanna going to be that. You know, Favellitz, notwithstanding, the, the new quarterback, um, I, I still view this, this one is going to be more of a defensive game, and I'm going to take RPI 20-17 to 17 in this one. I think it's going to be close, and it'll come down to, I think, RPI 
their defense is going to make a make some plays that'll that'll get them the win at home. Sir, well, I mean, I think for RPI to win this game, two things have to happen. Herman plays. Mike Herman has to play because having seen now a quarter of Tanner Boucher in the first game, he's a good young quarterback transfer from Army, but in the quarter and and in the first game and then roughly the three quarters or so I saw against Rochester, he quite hasn't found his rhythm. He's had a hard time moving the ball. Out of fairness, though, and you said it last week, how many reps does he get Exactly. It, 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 in this spread offense, everything goes through the quarterback. The quarterback runs it a lot, has to read defensive backs, so you need someone in there getting the reps. To me, Mike Herman has really stepped up and established himself with, of course, this year, the true freshman, but he suffered an knee injury whose severity is yet to be really determined. They had a bye last week. So for RPI to win this game, I truly think Herman has to be under center, playing a healthy Mike Herman, not a hobbly Mike Herman. But also the defensive the defensive situation, I'm glad James has that confidence in him. I, I, I What I saw was a team, though, that had a hard time stopping U of R when, when they had to get some stops that mattered. I mean, they, they were able to find the scene with Pedro Sosa, the tight end, U of R that is. They had no answer for Anyaruke. They couldn't stop the running game. RPI or U of R could get first downs at will when they had to, and that's what really concerned me. Now, on the flip side, RPI, we know that team. When their back's against the wall, they're able to get things done. They make good adjustments. You know, I know Coach King's going to treat that game with all the intensity that needs to be treated. I tell you this, to me, from now on, from now to the rest of the season, RPI is going to play with the mentality of their backs are against the wall every game. They've got to win every game to win this league. Pretty much. So... That being the case, I think Coach King is a great one-game coach, game at a time, get the troops riled, because now they're in the underdog position. They love that position. Susquehanna's a great team. Coach Briggs is a great guest. Pavlich or Pavlich, whatever you want to call it, great great offensive weapon. This could be a shootout. If Herman's playing, oh, boy, 35-30 RPI. Wow. Shootout. Okay, not to sound like a bad in sync song, but I think this game comes down to one thing: bye, bye, bye. And that's what RPI had this weekend, and uh, not what Susquehanna had this weekend. It doesn't sound like Palazzi is going to be ready to play. You know, at least he's not going to be at the caliber he was before his injury, even if he does start this game, because they're still talking about will he or won't he this week. Uh, the you know the trainer's still going to give a word on that or two before the week's out, and he hasn't been really practicing, it sounds like. Nothing against Matt Lattice, but it was the defense that won the game for them this week more than anything else against Rochester. And so my weariness about their offense continues because the one-man show the Pavlets could be, he isn't really doing as much as they need on offense. He can't score five touchdowns, it looks like. He can score two, but is that enough to beat RPI? The answer is no. RPI wins this game regardless of who starts a quarterback. 30 to 20. And I'd just like to add one more thing. In the context of, say, the last four years, with the, with the exception of a few stumbles here and there, in the Liberty League, RPI has been a great team. You know, there's been a handful of great teams in the Liberty League. RPI has been one of them. Are they a great team now? We don't know that. You know, we have a freshman quarterback situation. But I will tell you this. You know, great teams aren't great all the time. But they're great when they have to be. Well, and, and we're Union, gonna, Union's exposing that issue right now. I mean, they play up to who they're playing right now exactly. at all times. So so my point is, this weekend will prove, as you said, separation Saturday, is RPI an elite team in the league? 
They're going to show that this, this weekend, going on the road to a hostile environment, a dangerous Susquehanna team, what can they do? Well, we know there will be four teams uh, at most, two teams at least at one or zero losses uh, coming out of this week. It'll be interesting. And one game that's going to uh, pose, whether it be four, three, or two, uh, is Rochester at Merchant Marine with a 12 o'clock start time at Merchant Marine. Do you guys ever start the game at the same time down there? No, uh, we, we like to try every week to do different things. But, again, that's based on different <laughs> things. Obviously, the academy, they do have certain requirements that the regiment has to do. So that's why a lot of the home games are all set up, and that's why every year, Halloween weekend, we've always got to buy because that is when exams are. So that's, uh, that's set by the class schedule and by everything. So, uh, and then you guys that, have and no playing, sense of humor down playing, there, do you? <laughs> you know, playing, playing WPI, they always like to do the 4 o'clock afternoon starts, which I actually like. That was actually nice. Uh, good afternoon, and then you finish under the lights. So there are some advantages to that. But uh, i got to tell you, though, Ray, I mean, between the Merchant Marine-Rochester game and RPI Susquehanna, two, two great, compelling games this weekend. Well, this is the key for Merchant Marine in this game. And you mentioned earlier, uh, and, and they have, other teams are struggling against it, stopping the running attack because they, the Mariners, since they switched the defense to more of a 4-3 front, moved Sal Malone into the linebacker position, they've done a little bit better on the run. But last week gave up a uh, – last night, rather, gave up a big running play that resulted in a touchdown uh, in that game. So they do have some holes. They have to make sure they can control the running game. If they shut down the run and let everything else take its toll, they should be able to win the game. But they have struggled. You look back – against a few weeks ago against the Maritime team that ran an option offense, they could not stop the run, and that's what prevents them from winning that game. When they lose an overtime, you could say a missed field goal cost, you could say missed opportunities. If they stopped the run in that game, that game would have been there. So the key to this game is stopping the run. I think they've built on that there. Rochester has, a good, has good weapons as well, but I think Coach Tupper is going to hammer in this week in this game You've never beaten these guys. You have a huge opportunity in your hands. You've got four games left in your career. Let's win this game and finally get this team off our backs. Clarence Onyeruke. I think it is a guy you've got to stop this weekend. Yep, I, I think I think this is a close game. I think it's a much lower scoring game than uh, than the others. I'm going to say 17-10 Merchant Marine Academy. Okay. Uh, now, James, uh, you're the newest in the family of broadcasters uh, on this show. Uh, you, you know, you called a game that was supposed to have a good running back yesterday in Chris Coney, but he was kind of muted uh, in the Union game. Uh, Ani Ruka, a very similar type of runner, uh, a workhorse for that team, Rochester. Do you think Merchant Marine can stop him? I, I don't. I mean, he's gonna he's gonna get his carries and he'll probably get his touchdowns. But the the one running back that I think has really been overlooked in the league so far this season is, is Carl Heimbrock. <laughs> he, was he, leads the league, he leads the league in touchdowns and scoring. I think that, you know, he, he's going to be, a, you know, a good counter against the, uh, against the, Ro- the Rochester offense. So I, I, I agree with Ray. I think it's going to be a low-scoring game. But I think, I think this could be a game where, uh, you know, Heimbrock comes out and makes a name for himself in the league. I, I, I see him scoring – Two, possibly three touchdowns, and uh, leading the Mariners to a 24 to 21 win. Wow! Wow! All right. Well, I say that this will be an interesting battle. Close score. Or close, closely contested. Two big feature backs in Anyuruke and, and Hambrock. 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 
you know, the, the, the word of the day will be, you know, ball control, grind it out on the ground. Yeah, it'll be a short game. Like, right? as, as Frank <laughs> likes to say, you know, shrink the game. It really both, will. Both teams will try to shrink this game and control the clock. I think more so Merchant Marine just because of what they give away on both sides of the line of scrimmage. And if I can interject, they've been doing that the last two weeks. They have not. Uh, it's been Derek Ventre snapping the ball with three seconds on the play clock no matter what. Shortening the game has been the key in the last two weeks. And, and, and I think, you know, having seen Rochester up close, they have a lot of size on both sides of the ball. Very big linemen. Merchant Marine is going to need to shrink that game. And so I say closely fought game, 20-17 to 17 Merchant Marine. I'm going the other way. I'm going Rochester with all due respect to Coach Toop. I think that uh, what happened this week is Rochester got away from the game that beat RPI and put the ball in the air way too much for their own good. And it, they paid the price for it today or yesterday. And uh, I think they go back to what got them that win at RPI, even though you know Merchant Marine may be a different caliber offense that might be able to hold on to the ball better than RPI did. At the same time, I believe that Rochester – uh, effectively run that offense, and Aniruka will run for 200 yards, take the lead in the league, and win that game for Rochester 21-7. All right. Well, Frank, you can take us out. We want to thank all of our guests tonight, and I'm going to have to do this in a hurry. We want to thank Justin Gallup. We want to thank Steve Briggs, coach of Susquehanna. We want to thank Armella and the uh, girls over at CNN. Armella and the girls. Yes. <laughs> Luster Jew, for goodness oh, sake. Oh, would you get over it. Stan, uh, Ren, and Joyce. Joyce Wren, Mom and Dad. Wren, Mom and Dad, we as love you. call them. We want to thank James Baker, Ray Martell, and the Cats of Thousands and our listeners uh, for joining us tonight. It's a great show. We really want to have you back again next week, 7.30 p.m. on the show. No, no! In the Huddle 12. In the Huddle.com. Good night, folks. Bye. Bye.